Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, Two um, common-sensocrats people who play by the rules in blue and purple America. If I were you, just some friendly advice, I'd make my reservations for Florida sooner rather than later. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Well, that uh, red hurricane turned into a slight downpour Yesterday, very disappointing night. I don't know there's any way to put it, even with the possibility that Republicans still take control of the Senate with some outstanding Senate races in Georgia and Nevada and Arizona. Even with that prospect, a very disappointing night for Republicans. I don't know how you describe it any other way. Well, uh, what happened? <laughs> Not to be said like what happened, but what happened? I mean, Darren Bailey, he, he announced he's been running for the last year and three months and they take seven minutes when the polls close to announce that Pritzker's the winner? Well, the seven minutes thing, I know people get up in arms about this. Some some institutional memory here. You know, AP calling the race, uh, New York Times calling the race. It's just what these news organizations do. They rely on exit polling, and they want to be first past the post. And so, so, yeah, they call it. And sometimes the exit polls are inaccurate, but they're willing to take that risk to be first out with the declaration. <laughs> Um, so, Jesus. so it's, it's not, it's not so much. It's, it's the five minutes or seven minutes. It's what the, the confidence they had in the spread being large enough based on exit polling that the race was, was over. And of course they were correct. Uh, you know, again, it wasn't the ridiculous numbers that in, were, uh, promulgated by some of these phony news organizations called like WGN, the corporate media in the town wasn't 15, 20, 20, all these things. You know, there was a 10-point spread, 9-point spread. That was basically what it was statewide and in the suburbs as well in key races. Um, Just speaking about Illinois, of course. But then you pull out and you say, well, I can understand, and we can't be that surprised based on a long run-up to last night that Illinois— would miss a red wave. We talked about that on the show. We talked about it yesterday on this show, talking about New York and uh, and California and Illinois and Connecticut, you know, the handful of states that are just impenetrable when it comes to common sense or when it comes to course correction. But when you see what happened, generally speaking, when you see uh, margins that were much smaller, even in red states, than you anticipated, when you see cause celebs uh, like Myra Flores uh, lose her congressional seat uh, in the the border district in Texas. 
well, there's something else going on here. And I think it's difficult to read it any other way than to say, despite historically bad conditions economically, despite historically unsafe big cities, you know, not seen since the 90s, maybe the 70s, 60s and early 70s, and certainly in some places like Chicago, despite all that, the Republican candidates, not just in Illinois, but including Illinois, were unable to fully capitalize, were unable to close the show in places I certainly thought they were going to close the show. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro, answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro, text You heard me say it, so I'll be the first to admit when I'm wrong. I thought last night was going to be in popular vote and thus proportional impact, something like, 2010 and 1994 because of these conditions and what you saw is what actually we've seen happening for a while and maybe you just don't appreciate how locked in people are blue states getting bluer by holding serve in this environment and red states getting redder as you saw in florida with desantis's which i did predict a long time ago a blowout landslide victory of 20 points over charlie christ <laughs> i loved that uh, MSNBC said, you know, Republican or Florida's a Republican state because of gerrymandering. That had nothing. The, the to entire do with state the is gerrymandering. Yes, that's what I cannot <laughs> yeah. stop. Yeah, well, so I was that, clicking back and forth and just shaking my head, like, please. Well, then, then, then oh, I would say great. I would say the same thing about Illinois. Then Illinois yeah, exactly. is only a blue state because the entire state is gerrymandered. <laughs> but here's the thing: I, everyone was predicting if Pritzker was going to win, it would be by. Maybe four, eight points, not double digits. I mean, even Tom Serafin said it. I'd be surprised. I think you know, the race is somewhere between four and eight points right now. I don't think he's going to get the 16 points. Well, he didn't get 16, but he got uh, he got 10. 10. And it's 50, 54, 43 or something. Yeah, 54, 10 or 11. 50, yeah, there's 94% precincts reported. Uh, and but but you know you've got that workers' rights amendment at the top of the ballot. Ugh. That's 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 right on the line right now. That's at fifty nine percent. They need sixty. Uh, you have also, I mean, here's what happened in the suburbs. You know, uh, we're going to need more time. Probably get it. Be able to t- talk in more granular detail tomorrow because it just takes a while to crunch these numbers and understand exactly what happened. You know, uh, just. Uh, I don't know, 10 hours after the polls closed and about six after we knew what was what was happening. But uh, turnout was down 29 percent in Chicago, 21 percent in suburban Cook, 27 percent in Lake County, 10 percent in DuPage, 8 percent in Kane and Will. That was turnout was down overall. But here's what happened in suburban Cook between I mean, it's in the suburbs between Pritzker and uh, Bailey. So. Uh, Pritzker won Suburban Cook 67-34 this time around. Mm-hmm. So that's a 33-point spread. By, he won it by 26 points in 2018. DuPage, bloodbath. DuPage County, bloodbath. Pritzker won 57-42. He won by 15 points last night. In 2018, he won by two. Wow. In Lake County, Pritzker won by... 15 points he won by five in 2018 uh and will what's that i said i know why because Uh, of roe v wade being overturned and destroyed this election uh for republicans Uh uh-huh 
And uh, Pritzker held serve in 2018 in Will County. He won Will County by two points in 2018. He won it by three. In Kane County, mm-hmm. Pritzker won by 13 points. He lost by 13 points in 2018. Wow. Kendall County, turnout was flat. Bailey won by two points. Uh, Rahner had won by three points in 2018. And then Bailey made made up for the the uh, sub-2018 performance in the suburbs by better performance downstate. But the other thing that happened is downstate turnout was down. So the surge for uh, of downstaters for the downstater, that didn't happen either. And so you were even in a worse position trying to make up numbers in northeastern Illinois downstate when you're losing by bigger margins in the suburbs and you're not getting bigger turnout downstate. Three one two. That's the recipe. Three one two six four two five six zero zero turnkey pro answer line six four six three six. Type in DA then a quick comment. Uh, Joe and Glen Ellen, you're in Chicago's morning answer. Hey guys, I, I I gotta ask what what possessed the Supreme Court to mess with Roe versus Wade during an election year? Because I I agree, Amy, that's what screwed us over. When when, when I mean, should what, the, oh, uh, let me ask a question? When should the Supreme Court take up Roe v. Wade? After fifty you couldn't years, couldn't wait till like after the election, and then and then and then it won't. Imp- and then their, their election, excuse me, their elections every two years. Yeah. So you're you're always Why in cycle. Wait until after the midterms, Dan. I mean, so that I, so I, then I, you're I so then you're in then you're in cycle for the presidential. You think you think yeah. if you do it, you think you do it in the summer before the the presidential. That's different than doing it in the summer before. Okay, okay Dan. Well, my qu- come on. Why mess with it at all, though, Dan? Well, no, why, no, no, no. There was a case pending before it? the Supreme Court. Well, they they decided to take it. Right. They, uh, they, they, there's their decision to grant cert. Right. But why there was mess- a Mississippi group, and they didn't like Thanks the fact for the call, that, Joe. But they didn't like the fact that abortion was. You know, they wanted to extend it to 24 weeks, so they sued, and then it went all the way up to the Supreme Court. Y- yes, right. That's right, how it works. People don't understand that, Dan. That's why. I was what do you mean? What they don't understand? What they don't understand that the Supreme Court chooses which cases it's going to take. Well, if they don't understand that, then we have bigger problems than what the courses, which what cases the Supreme Court takes. If you're a Republican, if you're pro-life, or even if you're reasonably pro-choice, don't take it for political reasons. Don't undo fifty years of bad law because there's an election around the corner. Well, what kind of Supreme Court is that? And what kind of people are we? Frankly, I'm happy to lose an election to save children. But that's me as a pro-lifer. What's the number that we've seen? I I think 538 reported about a week ago. 10,000 children, 10,000 fewer abortions since the Dobbs decision over the summer. I'll trade 10,000 children for some politicians some temporary representatives in one election cycle. I'll make that trade every day. I don't know about you. Maybe some people wouldn't. Obviously, some people wouldn't. I would. So that doesn't bother me. Steve and Gary. Yeah, good morning, Dan and Amy. This is unbelievable, but uh, I waited uh, my family and I Sunday in Will County the boat, and uh, that's indicative of what uh, turned out after last night, and uh, I'm really curious, uh, you summed it up state fairly well, but national level, is it just that Gen Y, Gen Z people, uh, you know, the younger crowd just got out and put, I mean, you know, uh, that, that's what we got to get across in the future, and uh, we got a lot of work, at least on that part. Uh, 
much what I got to say. Thank you. Thanks for the call, Steve. Uh, we'll, we'll get into this in more, uh, with more depth uh, throughout the show this morning, but I, I don't think it's generational. I think it's philosophical. And the, the um, philosophical disposition, not completely, but the divide, I'm, I'm completely in the Joel Kotkin, Michael Lind camp on this. The divide in America, the college degreed and the non-college degreed. And after generations of the college degreed, um, that's a big divide. And that's where the philosophical divide is fundamentally derived. But we'll develop that more. Terry in Algonquin. Yeah. Um, so I won the county race last night. We're watching the numbers come in. And it is beyond statistical probability for us to get three to one mail-in ballots. They were three to one in almost every race of mail-in ballots. They wiped us out. Early so, voting, we wiped them out. And then in the, uh, yesterday's voting, we wiped them out. But it, it's crazy, Dan. It's the mail-in ballots. There's something up. Well, I, I mentioned that. Thanks for the call, Terry. Congratulations on your victory for county board in, in McHenry. But, no, there is something to this uh, chasm in early and mail-in voting. And I know I'm Republicans – we're generally speaking election day voters and you say well okay well they can vote early but we'll come in on election day and we, we got to look at this in, in more depth we actually have to crunch the numbers to see if this is really generating a more substantial turnout for them and republicans need to have more robust early voting and mail-in voting if that's where the rules of the game are going to be we got to play by the rules of the game that are set up if you want to change them then change them yeah Yeah, if you want to change them great change them because i'm all for changing them but there's the these are the rules now if that is providing a decided advantage for the democrats the them running and socializing their voters to mail in and early vote that needs to be looked at Uh, i I, that is a that is a, a ripe area for further research and inquiry and um decisions be, to be made based on that research and inquiry it's what chicago is talking about it's chicago's morning answer with dan and amy on am 560 the answer if you're looking for the latest news insight into what it means and the sharpest opinion there's only one station in chicago where you can turn and it's this one we're am 560 the answer Top of the morning, Dan and Amy talking about last night's election results, of course, in Illinois and nationally. Uh, A couple of points on Illinois. Um, Amendment one, the quote unquote workers rights amendment that uh, allows that would prohibit any law that interferes with the collective bargaining rights of public sector unions. Yeah, and raise our property taxes on average Mm $2,100. So as I predicted, that's going to win 60-40. So that's that's done. Remember, it's 60% of voters who vote that issue or 50% plus one of voters who cast ballots altogether, and you're sitting right at 60% now. So that's done. Also, the balance of the state Supreme Court. Yeah. The Democrat majority increases, so it goes from 4-3 to 5-2 because uh, Roachford beat Curran, and it looks like, incredibly, because she's completely unqualified, Mary Kay O'Brien is going to defeat Michael Burke, um, who's an eminently qualified judge. But that's what's going to happen, so both Democrat pick up, but both a Democrat wins there. Um, in the Illinois House, I mean, well, scanning through— yeah. 
scanning through 118 seats. Um, we pick you know, up anything in a midterm. It looks like it looks like to me we lost a seat. Keith Wheeler in Kane County it was on nobody's radar. Keith Wheeler loses to a Democrat former county board member in Kane County, so you lose a a, a House seat. The supermajorities expand, not contract, in a midterm. But I told you a couple weeks before the election, the most disturbing number, well, two, Joe Biden's approval rating in Illinois, 50%, 25% higher than the national average. And the right track, wrong track question in Illinois, Sick. basically 50-50. Yeah. So that those are not numbers that indicate that a revolt is brewing and they're willing to turn, the electorate is on the cusp of turning incumbents out. And so they didn't, except a couple of Republicans. Reagan Deering lost, Scott Greider lost, Keith Peacow. Mary Miller won. Well, we're going to go down from hood we're going to go down from five Republicans to four. We're going to uh, um, actually, yeah. I mean, we, we you expected Esther Joy King to win. It she's down right now. The suburbs, Lauf, Greider, Peacow, all races we thought were in the margin of error. Well, Democrats expanded that. They all those Democrat incumbents won going away. Uh, DuPage County. It looks like Greg Hart lost the DuPage County chairmanship. So not only are you not getting a county board back, now you've lost your county chairman. That's what it looks like. It's close, but that's what it looks like. I mean, it's a, you know, it's a wash. But blue states getting bluer and red states getting redder and even blue sections in red states holding serve. We had Jennifer Ruth Green on, who's this great young candidate who was basically running in a dead heat with Frank Mervan. In Lake County, Indiana, Northwest Indiana, an opportunity to turn a Dem seat that had been held by the Dems for 90 years. She came up short. The races I was looking at, in addition to hers, to see how seismic last night was going to be. And it didn't turn out to be very seismic. I was looking at her race. I was looking at the Oregon governor's race. Uh, And Drazen right now, it's it's too close to call. Yeah, that's so that's in play. That would be interesting. And the L.A. mayor's race. And that's too close to call. They may not know that uh, outcome until Friday or next week, which is a whole nother thing. This idea that you don't know outcomes for for days and weeks on end is just we got to stop that intolerable. But Caruso is actually up a little bit on Karen Bass in L.A. So a Republican to win the L.A. mayor's race. And he ran basically on the crime and homelessness issue, the quality of life, crime and homelessness, personal safety. So, you know, it's there's there are some uh, green shoots out there, but by and large, I think you have to look around and say Pennsylvania is a blue state. Ohio is a red state. And that's what happened. Florida is a red state. Yeah. And it's been greatly expanded in terms of its in terms of the the it's a deeper shade of red under DeSantis and Rubio and the Republican Party in Florida. In Arizona, they're still counting ballots. Uh, Katie Hobbs is on top, 51 to 49, but there's 62% of the votes in. Yeah, same, and, and, and Mark Kelly's up a little bit more than that on Masters. Uh, the flip side is both the governor and the Senate candidate, Republicans, Lombardo and Laxalt in Nevada, are both up a little bit, but that's also still too close to call. Yeah, and Herschel Walker versus Warnock 
is going, looks like it's going to go to a runoff, uh, even though uh, yeah. Brian Kemp, Republican governor, dispatched Stacey Abrams again. And that's a December 7th runoff. Holding serve is what you saw, which is why, yeah, Republicans are going to take the House, but it's not going to be by the numbers, at least people like me thought. And, and the Senate? It's, and it's, well, I mean, it's, you know, it's still, it's still a, a you know, we'll have to see. I think Laxalt is going to win. And, you know, Walker in the runoff, it may make it probably uh, right now, although, you know, I don't know. And, and the whole Arizona thing is a, is a conversation unto itself because of what happened in Maricopa County. But um, but so I don't know where the 40 percent is out. So I don't know how to handicap Carrie Lake and Blake Masters chances. But it could very well come down to Georgia again, like it did two years ago. Well, here's somebody who was a. Uh inside voting in Maricopa County, trying to put the ballot, you know, after you fill out the ballot, you put it in the, the box. So I put my ballot in, but so it didn't, it got misread, but then what was happening? You put it in there. Yeah. And tonight a Republican and a Democrat will sit and go through all of the misread ballots all over the county okay. and count them and it okay. will get counted. Okay, and okay. Both, both machines were not working yet. No, okay. nothing's working in okay. the last half hour. Thank you. Right. Oh, that's some, great. Some, busiest busiest some, county in the Something city. like 30% of the machines weren't working in Maricopa County? Yeah, the largest county in Arizona, you know, Phoenix. Right. What have you. But yeah. And they they had attempted to get uh, an emergency, the Republican Party in Arizona, an emergency order to extend voting okay. hours. That was denied. And Katie Hobbs, Secretary of State, she's in charge of the election. Nothing to see here. Right. Don't worry. I mean, I feel good. good. I don't know. Don't you, Dan? Yeah, good point. Uh, mm-hmm. uh, all right. Take some of your calls. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Adrian in Frankfurt, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Good morning. You guys get me up every morning. All I got to say is this. Forgive them, Father, for they know not what they do. Yeah. It is pathetic what just happened. I went to bed last night angry, and I, I right away I put on Dr. Shivago, and next thing I know, people don't realize, they're going to start looking for wood fences to make fires this winter. <laughs> Thanks, Adrian. I just can't believe people would do this to their children. I mean, he is going to mandate a COVID vaccine for your kids. They love it. It's not if, it's when you're going to get carjacked or raped or get your catalytic converter stolen, which would be a nice thing on your list of crimes that could happen to you. And then that dictator gets up there. He wasn't appreciative. He wasn't gracious. He didn't extend across the aisle to say, you know, congratulate Darren Bailey and his supporters. No, no. All he did was talk about abortion, abortion, MAGA, MAGA. He mentioned Trump's name three times. Let me be even clearer. To anyone who thinks that they can come into this state and try to force some right-wing MAGA war on a woman's body, you will, you will never get an inch of Illinois. I mean, and he knows, and he knows how long he knows how long an inch is. There's no question about it. <laughs> I mean, give me all he was doing. He's lining himself up to be president when, if Biden decides not to run. Good luck with that. Yeah. Bragging. Oh no, spend your money because he spent 152 million dollars of his own money to pick what candidate he wanted to run against first first off and then to finish the job on darren bailey greg in jefferson park hey good morning dan and amy 
you know, I'll tell you something. It's uh, the people of this state, city, whatever, deserve all the crime that's going to be coming here for allowing this to happen. And the Republican Party's abysmal. One of the big things driving it here and elsewhere, I think, particularly like Pennsylvania with Fetterman, when I went to five precincts in the 45th Ward, there's this new candidate, a, a library assistant or something, who is uh, Santiago or whatever. She's a communist. And be, uh, both her and Chutoy Garcia had people at every precinct collecting signatures for them to get them on the ballot. Yeah. And they've huh. got just armies of people doing this stuff. All these young, you know, socialist commie wannabes out there, uh, you know, the unions, they're they are not a big problem anymore, although they still are for the most part because they do what they're told for the most part to get that nice seven-digit pension. But... Uh, I'll tell well, you, these people well, are out in force getting signatures, man. Well, that's legal. That's I mean, for the call, right. Greg. Well, well yeah, he's not suggesting it's not legal. He's, right. he's explaining what's happening. It's part of it. Public sector unions, who do you think runs the public sector unions? A bunch of free marketeers? Yeah, of course. I mean, we've had, we have half a dozen members, at least, of this Chicago City Council who describe themselves as socialists, not Democrats, socialists. So th this is not new. As I said before, this is just the continued metastasization of the woke left, of the socialists, the out and proud socialists. And they have the machinery of government, and they've convinced the suburbs that all roads shall lead to the state. And so that doesn't leave a lot of wiggle room for people who want to live freely. Nicholas Streeterville. Good morning, guys. Um, I'm sorry to hear, Dan, you're leaving me alone in MAGA country to fight the rest of the <laughs> Yeah, MAGA, MAGA country, Streeterville, that's right, yeah. Mm -hmm. But uh, I am happy you're getting out of this corrupt dump. Um, I'll have to just uh, do it on my own and recruit some new, some new Republicans, but... Um, I hate to be the person to talk about cheating when I have no proof at this point. But um, first of all, what has Pritzker done to receive overwhelming support this time around compared to the last time? Are people really afraid of having a far-right, ultra-wing conservative governor while they don't realize that's what they currently have on the left side right now? And then we have a president that comes out and says, we might not know results for a few days or weeks, after the election, and then they end up calling um, they end up calling Illinois for um, Pritzker in the first 20 minutes. I mean, the only excuse I could think of is, is these people are more concerned about their abortions and and yeah, and getting are. away with murder than they are with keeping the criminals um, that commit these crimes that can get people pregnant in the first place behind bars. I, I just yeah, they are. I mean, Pritzker even said my mom was so into abortion rights and women's rights, and I'm continuing that fight. And people were mad that they called it at 7.07 because some people were still in line, Dan, voting. Yeah, of course. Well, and they're what? voting and they're like, wait, they already called it? What the right. hell? Well, I mean, this is, again, this is what they do. This is what they do, the, the Chicago press corps, the phony, phony, fake news. This is what they do when they put out garbage polls that show, oh, it's not possible. No, they induce fatalism. Even they they're actually, they're they're the ones actually using agitprop to t try to suppress the vote, to suppress the vote of center right people. 
and they did, by the way. I just went through the the turnout numbers and uh, how down they were as compared to 2018, including downstate. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, they do it the entire cycle, and then they do it on election night, too. So let's, that's just what they do. They were even shocked, though, when they announced it. They said, we're not ready yet. <laughs> Channel 9 said, wait, wait, what? We're, you know, this, they were kind of scrambling because they didn't mm-hmm. think it would be called so fast. Uh, Philip Portage Park. Hey, good morning. Um, good, good, sad morning. Um, what I wanted to say is, you know, just give my two cents on why I think uh, Pritzker pulled ahead over Bailey. And for a lot of folks that I heard, both um, in the community and from work and family, it all came down to Roe v. Wade. And I think that the left really pushed that message that Bailey was just going to allow anything to happen to you regardless if you had a medical condition or there's rape and incest that everyone seems to be obsessed over when it comes to abortions but we know that's not what is really happening and i think that when pritzker gave his um selfish acceptance uh speech that really shines through all he wanted to do was push you know quote unquote women's rights and and their right to you know murder fetuses thanks for the call Phil. Let, let, let me just um set a foundation here for the purposes of context. Uh, Illinois is a plus 10 Dem state. So that's where we were starting. Okay. I, I mean, people uh, are acting like this is like a, a coin flip state. Let's, let's get a hold of ourselves and understand how decidedly, uh, how decidedly center right is an underdog in this state at the beginning before any candidates were selected. So, uh, you know, understand the institutional advantage that has come and manifested itself in Illinois. Understand that we haven't really recovered and it's difficult to do so in a single election cycle, no matter how bad things are. I thought, given how bad things actually are, maybe you would see some progress toward sanity, but obviously that didn't occur. Uh, But... Remember what happened in 2008 and 2012, the suburbs moved to Barack Obama. They moved to the Democrat Party and they haven't really returned. The Rauner's election, and I won't go into detail because I've explained it many times, was a blip. It was not a return to normalcy. And so you have two things afoot here. You have the college-educated, awfuls, affluent, white, leftist ladies, the awfuls, uh, moving in mass to the Democrat socialists. College-educated women, plus 38 for Democrats. And you have white ethnic working class with a, recently a, a spike in Latinos – and a very modest increase in black men moving right. Well, in Illinois, the awfuls and the male impersonators they're married to outnumber that coalition that move to the right and dominate. And also, they, have, they are part of the power structure that controls all of the cultural and civic institutions. So understand how steep the incline is 
that we're trying to climb in Illinois and other states. Lee Zeldin found out the same thing in New York. Uh, Greg Schomburg. You know, Dan, to pick up on what you're just saying, an image that occurred in my mind last night was almost as if you are Abraham standing in front of Sodom and Gomorrah trying to plead with God to get, you know, at least a, a decent majority based on facts. And God keeps saying, yes, I'll do it, I'll do it, I'll do it. And what you just said with the demographics that you put on the board there, they're not there. And the reason why they're not there is because you, Jeannie Ives, and people that are sane are coming to people with facts, equity on houses, rapes, murders, carjackings, things like this. And these things people just don't want to deal with. They're so darn entitled, and they just want people to take care of them. And that's what I say. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Greg. I, I mean, Greg, I, for everything. I mean, we, we say this all the time, the beautiful lies versus the unacceptable truths. And the referendum on beautiful lies is it passed overwhelmingly. The Dan and Amy, know. Chicago's Morning Answer. It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Signature Bank. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy pouring over last night's midterm election results, both at the state and local level as well as nationally. And the whole thing is like an open mic Friday. So give us a call, yes. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. We'll talk about whatever races you want to talk about. Uh, the um, one question I just want to frame this with that we haven't raised yet. What's that? It's predicated on Ron DeSantis's landslide victory in Florida yesterday. That was a spanking, Dan. Yeah, and um, and given what happened nationally, the red wave that did not materialize, did not reach shore. What do you think about the prospect of Trump's expected announcement next week on the fifteenth that he's going to run for president in twenty twenty four? Are, did, did what happened yesterday change your mind at all in terms of saying Trump versus DeSantis? Here's a and, and remember here, too, and this this is nice because it's a bit of a twofer. We get to talk prospectively about 2024 and the Republican race for the nomination and also do a little bit of compare contrast 
Florida versus Illinois. Here's a portion of DeSantis's victory speech. We made promises to the people of Florida, and we have delivered on those promises. And so today, after four years, the people have delivered their verdict. Freedom is here to stay. Thanks to the overwhelming support of the people of Florida, we not only won election, we have rewritten the political map. The, uh, the, the tagline to DeSantis's campaign was, keep Florida free. Yep. Freedom was the organizing, has been the organizing principle of his administration, and it was the organizing principle of his campaign. He explicitly said during that same victory speech that woke ideology, that Florida is where woke ideology goes to die and will never surrender. So the organizing principle in Florida under DeSantis is freedom. That's how society is going to be organized around uh, society is going to be organized around people's individual freedom. In Illinois, society is organized around the state, okay, and we we work for the state. That's how it, it. I don't care whether you're a state employee or not. In Illinois, you work for the state. In Florida, you work and live for yourself and your family. Two very different approaches to organizing a state, organizing a society. And so think about that in the context of just the, these 50 laboratories of democracy, but also think about where, what people decided they're going to do if the Republican Party doesn't present a new angle and a new messenger in 2024. We all know somebody who got up and moved to Florida so that their kids could go to school, so that they could start their business that was shut down here in Florida. I mean, DeSantis, wasn't it four years ago he he won by less than 1% of the vote? That's right. And, yes, and last night he won by 18 points. 20, I think, yeah. 20. Right. I mean, think about that. God, oh, oh, thank God. Size, that, that is, that is, that a, is a move. Huge. And and it was, a, it was a, a, I mean, he won Miami-Dade County. <laughs> Good for him. That hasn't happened in two decades. The last uh, Republican statewide candidate to win Miami-Dade uh, was Jeb Bush 20 years ago. Uh, you have uh, congressional seats that flipped here. Obviously, Marco Rubio won against the sitting yep. congressman going away. He won by 15. So the point is, and, you know, DeSantis is the headline in the New York Post today, the New York Post. Good. So what he's talking about certainly extends beyond the corporate boundaries of Florida. And, and what in part you could argue, and we spent some time in the first hour talking about uh, the Dobbs decision and its impact, uh, what about the threat to democracy messaging, which, um, you know, we ridicule because it is worthy of ridicule, but it doesn't mean it's not effective to a wide for a wide swath of the population, which is in part, you one could argue how Democrats held serve despite economic conditions in this country that are as bad as they've been in 40 years, despite eight in 10 Americans saying the American economy is on the wrong track, despite that. They largely held serve. Now, again, they're going to take control. The Republicans are going to get control of the House. There's a, a, you know, 
50-50 chance they take control of the Senate. Ron Johnson's going to come in in Wisconsin, but notice Evers won. I know. Uh, Laxalt is going to come in in Nevada. But Masters and Walker, those are coin flips at this point, at best. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line. You can also text us this morning as we're licking our wounds. At 64636, type in DA, then a quick comment. Jim on the southwest side. Yeah, your comment uh, earlier about Trump's announcement on the 15th, I really think he needs to sit this one out because it looks like everybody that was allied with Trump kind of lost, I mean, personal opinion. But then again, I think DeSantis has got a better chance than he does. Thanks for your time. What what candidates did Trump back that, that won? I mean, Walker might win. Carrie Lake might win. Ted Budd in North Carolina oh, won the Senate right. race. He backed Ted Budd in the crowded primary. J.D. Vance won in Ohio. J.D. Vance won. He backed J.D. Vance in the, in the primary. I mean, the, the, but, but here, my point is to say this. It's not that uh, all the candidates Trump backed lost. Many of them did not. Okay. But it's that it was a hold serve. It was a hold serve. And if there's not going to be a value add nationally in purple states from Trump, then do you have to make a change at the top in terms of who the nominee is going into 2024? That's a legitimate question. Now, the flip side, just to play devil's advocate here, is you look at some states, and I, again, we haven't had time to pour over all of the turnout numbers in all of these states where we had uh, big Senate races and governor's races. But we we know in Illinois, for example, those 320,000 Trump voters— who did not vote in the 28 midterms, 2018 midterms. A lot of them did not vote in the 2022 midterms either. We know this. We can extrapolate this from the depressed turnout in central and southern Illinois in Republican areas. And we saw Pritzker expand his margins of victory in many of the collar counties. DuPage, Kane, you know, all of them. Will. I mean, not Will, Lake. So... So, you know, that formula, I mean, if that is a if that foreshadows 2024, then the Republicans are going to have some problems. If it does, can he still generate the sort of revolt in 24 that he generated in 2016? Some some could say, well, well, he will, because the next two years aren't going to get much better. They may not get much worse with a a a backstop of Republican control of the House and possibly the Senate, but they're not going to get better. So does that set the stage for his return? Maybe. And if Republicans take the House, which they probably will, what happens to the January 6th commission? Oh, well, that, you know, that's just, yeah, that's that's done. Um, We've got text messages. President Trump should not run in capital letters with an exclamation point. Uh, somebody else, please do not run. Some people hate him so much that they would vote for a dementia patient or a stroke victim who can't think. Derek, North Aurora. Yeah, I was, uh, I was calling into a couple of comments you guys both made just not shortly ago about um, how, Dan, earlier you said red states getting redder, blue getting bluer, and Amy had just said something that was kind of in my similar mindset about all the people that fleed states like yeah. Illinois and New York and everything and went to places like Florida and Tennessee and everything. 
Yeah. Would you would you not agree that's the product of why we're seeing this? And it's yes. like a lot of people that have that Republican mindset, they bolted and went for these free year states because they're just they're just done after all the lockdowns. T- completely. Absolutely. Yeah. Thanks for the call, Derek. That's absolutely a part of the dynamic. That's absolutely what's happening. And it's going to increase in pace. Um, I, I mentioned this um, a couple weeks out when Lee Zeldin had, according to some of the polling, Lee Zeldin had closed to within the margin of error against Kathy Hochul in New York. And even I think even a couple of polls had him up a point. Right. And then he winds up losing by seven or so. Are there enough center right voters left in New York when when you lose six percent of the population in Manhattan you know, within a span of eight or eight to 12 months during the lockdowns. You know, a lot of those people that left, they may come back for the summers, but they're not coming back. No, that's not where they reside anymore. Um, you know, count me in that category. And so. So, yeah. Are, are there enough center right voters in these states to spring these upsets against uh, the advantage that Democrats have? And I've been saying this for years, the the great sort of counterintuitive dynamic that you have to understand is the worse that it gets in blue states, the better it gets for blue state politicians, because who's left? People people. that are rich enough to have these fashionable opinions and people who are dependents on the state and very and and not very much in between. And that is not a coalition for revolt that is not a coalition for changing the status quo it's a coalition for codifying the status quo and that's what you saw last night yeah people are are voting with their feet texas florida tennessee south carolina you you're looking at red states where the outcomes are not in not really in in dispute and you're looking at a lot of blue states where that's the same. Connecticut, New York, Illinois, California. Mike Lee won Utah, <clears throat> Senator. Yeah, mm. right. Well, they were saying that as, you know, unaffiliated party can't, challenger was going to win, but he didn't. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, you know, but 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 even uh, Evan McMillan getting as who ran against Trump, if you remember, I mean, ran against him, quote unquote. I mean, not much of a campaign, not much of a chance, obviously. But but the percentage of the vote Evan McMillan got against Mike Lee, who's a great senator in Utah, which is 41%. a deep red, which is a deep red state for. I mean, that's a that's a Trump protest vote. Yep, 55. So Mike Lee had 55.4 and Evan McMillan had 41 percent of the vote. Wow. Tom, Blue Island. Morning, Dan and Amy. Uh, rough morning. Yikes. Uh, Dan, so 81 million votes Biden supposedly got. Trump got the most votes of any candidate in the history of elections, and now the left is going to get their way with Republicans. What would you say? Just texted Amy, already telling Trump to uh, stand aside. So, and then Dan, I wanted to ask you about the culture of untruth. You made an incredible case of all the lies that Pritzker's told, and yet look what happens. And without a media that can stand up to this establishment media, I don't know how any kind of Republican message is ever going to get out there fairly. 
Thanks for the call, Tom. Well, I mean, you know, the the question I opened the my advertising campaign with was, how much worse does it have to get? Yep. And the answer, resounding answer, was worse. It has to get worse. It is not bad enough. So, if uh, Pritzker's purge law takes effect Jan one, and the outcomes are what they will be if it does take effect. We're screwed. Maybe that, maybe that shakes up the suburbs in Chicago. Maybe. I don't know. Pritzker had a message for you last night. You're still getting under his skin. Isn't that that amazing, Dan? Two of the nation's biggest MAGA Republican billionaires, along with their teams of political grifters. Lies and innuendo, and you showed them that Illinois is a state that stands up for working families and rejects their selfish agenda. Uh, mm-hmm. Still, boo, still, boo, still, boo, still, boo. He won by eleven points. And he, you're still getting under his skin. You Not know, gracious it, at all. That man is sick. You know, it Ugh, was it, he's a I, tyrant. I, Congratulations, I, Illinois. I saw that. Yeah, and I know. What, does anybody ever ask what do they win when they win? No. Very I few mean, what people. do you what do you win? What did you win? Okay, it, it reminded me of this email I got after I did that scream ad that offended so many. Oh yeah, because it was the truth. You didn't alter right. anything or doctor right. any video, but okay, go on. Well, right, but but yeah. we 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 cannot stare in the face of what we've done to ourselves, and that's no. why that scream ad had to be pulled down by the networks, which it was. But I got an email from a woman. You know, I'm after I'm so offended that you posted that ad and this and that, and you know, my children are afraid and so on and so forth. Uh, so I'm going to vote for Pritzker, and I, I responded, "Go well, what, what? What? So, do you think you're punishing me?" You, so you're going to vote against your personal mm-hmm. safety to teach me a lesson? Okay. okay. But that's yeah. the men, that's the mentality you're right. dealing with. Working families, all you rough and tumble trade union guys, and all you public sector union work rake and file. You, the, these are your caretakers, Pritzker and the power structure. You have the largest unfunded public sector people. You have the largest unfunded pension liability, public sector pension liabilities in the country. I know. Um, and now you, our property taxes are going to go up because of that workers' right amendment passed. Your your home is collateral for somebody else's pension for you trade union guys and everybody else. The public sector union pensions, guaranteed seven-figure pensions, present, net present value in many cases. What's the number? 132,000 Illinois pensioners whose pensions are six figures oh my, or I mean, better. And that's annually. Six figures or better net present value is in the millions you know, from a couple of million all the way up to 10, 12, 15 million, you know, if you're a school superintendent. Okay. So so what did you win? You won the ability for some of you to continue to feast off the carcasses of the productive? Okay. If And the, and the, the people who are being feasted upon think they won something? I mean, you, you're, you haven't seen real wage growth in two decades in Illinois. And, and you know, layer on now the stagflationary environment, which is just scaling nationally what we've done in Illinois. I, I'm, I'm a little confused. What are you winning? 
What are the test scores coming out of K through 12 in Illinois? What are your children winning? Explain to me what you think you've won. Okay, you. No, they'll say a right to get an abortion, and I'm in line because of my. There's some idiot behind me. He's like, I'm doing this for my wife, for reproductive rights. It's like it's Roe wonderful. v. Wade didn't abolish abortion, you idiot. Now it's just up to each state. So and a lot of states have reasonable uh, abortion r- limits with restrictions. So, so let me understand something, oh, sir. Yeah. Um, you're you're voting so you can win the right for your wife to get an abortion. Is that something you're looking forward to? And these are fathers. I just, but there's so many other options out there. Like, abortion, you could take a pill. You could take a day after, you, and and you can take. My, I mean, there's so many things you can do. You can get a shot. Just, it's, a simple, a it's, a it's a simple. It's a simple question. It's a simple question. Quality of life, economic security, personal safety, your kids' intellectual development, highest unemployment rate in the nation, lowest bond rating. Well, I just want to understand what you think you're winning. This is what winning looks like to you, Illinois? Oh, okay. Well, go ahead. You're really punishing me, and you're punishing all those Republicans you defeated by destroying your quality of life and the prospects for your kids. And by the way, um, for those whose kids are on track to go to college, you're winning the right to visit them in another state when they go to college in another state and, and they settle in another state. Never come back. I, I just, it's just a baffling. We won. You won what? That'll be good because, you know, Democrats are going to come up to me today and like, oh, so sorry. No, I'm not. No, I'm, you're not going to deal with that. I'm going to deal with no, that because no, no, I know no, where no. I have to go today. You're so sorry. So sorry for what? And I'll say so sorry. Yeah, for what? Hold your head up high, people. You didn't. So sorry for what? You didn't hurt me. I mean, I, I know a lot of other people are going to be hurt that uh, are have to continue residing in Illinois for one reason or another. But, I mean, what? I, I just forget. Don't worry about me. Okay. Don't worry about me. Just ask, what did you win? I, I just want to understand what you think you won. All right. That's a fair question. Thank you, Dan. Marty Naperville. Good morning. Uh, I just got back from Florida. I'm watching them pour my 16 by 30 foot pool, which will be done in March. So I'm out of here. Uh, so that's no problem. Question I have: This Janulius, am I incorrect to say that wasn't he the one who cost about 130 million or so at that uh, college, Illinois? Wasn't he mm-hmm. in charge of all that money? Just got washed away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Thanks mm-hmm. for the call, Marty. And then uh, that, but that was a, a pittance compared to the 400 million dollar bailout of his failed mob bank his family's failed mob bank when those the genealogy's family got golden parachutes that were taxpayer funded yeah secretary of state and he's using the secretary of state to run for governor someday yeah yeah the la- launching pad and okay. he lied and told marianne ahern oh no i'm not i'm never going to run for governor oh stop it you lying sack right of- and Pritzker's not going to run for president so right. so what did you win with Giannullius as your Secretary of State, just like what did you win with Pritzker as your governor? <laughs> just... And his speech last night was just a, a national speech to run for governor, president. Okay, all right. To the victors go the spoils. I know what the spoils are for the public sector unions. I know what the, the spoils are for the trade unions that are dependent on the public sector. What are the spoils for everyone else? 
It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. Only the biggest stories, only the biggest guests, and only the biggest opinions. This is AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy talking about uh, last night's midterm election results, of course, taking your calls, open mic style, whatever races you want to talk about, angles you want to talk about, yeah, and it's future prospects you want to talk about. Let it out. I mean, if you're angry, we want to hear about it. If you're sad, it's okay too, right? Um, I'm going through stages of grief right now. Go through them f- uh, quickly, uh Kubler Ross. Okay. Uh, so here's a, a update to I, I mentioned Keith Wheeler, state rep, losing in Kane County. So I thought maybe we net lost a house seat. I forgot Chris Boss up in Lake County, incumbent Republican, he lost too. Oh, uh, so that's minus two. But th- there's two pickups. Kevin Schmidt beat Latoya Green, and Senalitro uh, 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 won Deb Conroy's old seat. Deb Conroy leveling up to run for DuPage County board chairman. And she looks to have defeated Greg Hart, the Republican there, as DuPage County went by uh, 15 points plus for J.B. Pritzker. I can't believe that. I mean, years of what he did to our kids, keeping them out of school, then they went back, then mass, then not being allowed to play sports or having any life events. And you reward him? Well, again, uh, I I, I need to remind people, you know, because we looked at this. Pulled it repeatedly, and the majority of Illinoisans gave Pritzker good reviews for the choices he made during COVID. And which means, what does that's, that mean? We're going to have vaccine mandates soon for our kids in order for them to attend school. Well, that's 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 the majority position. Yeah, right. Max, max, jab me and mask me. I want it. Uh, Justin in Cedar Lake, Indiana. Morning, Dan. Morning, Amy. How are we doing this morning? Good. Hey, quick question. So I, uh, I'm the oddball out being a uh, Republican union member in Illinois, but I live in Indiana. I haven't heard. Has that workers' rights amendment passed? And if yes. so, what change do you think we'll see? Yes, it's passed. Um, thanks for the call, Justin. What changes will you see? Well, you'll see um, the conference of ever greater and unfundable benefits to public sector unions in Illinois. That's what you'll see. We'll continue to go up at a 45-degree angle. Maybe maybe we'll go straight maybe up. More. <laughs> yeah, maybe. Yeah, and the average homeowners, their property taxes could increase by 2,100. That's the average homeowner. By the way, I mentioned this uh, before uh, in the run-up to last night's election. You know, something that not too many people are talking about, but just, just raise it. It's just a possibility. I'm not saying it will occur because this would be part of the collective bargaining process. But, you know, um, the constitutional amendment provides that workers' rights shall not be diminished in any way, just like public sector pensions, the pension clause in the Constitution, pensions and the Supreme Court itself cannot be diminished in any way. In other words, even prospectively for benefits not yet earned, the Supreme Court's position is, all you can do to public sector workers' benefits is increase them. They only get to go in one direction. That's up. No matter what. Okay. Um, so if worker rights writ large can only go in the direction that the workers demand and bargain for, 
then what's to say that the prohibition, which is only statutory, thus it's trumped by the Constitution, what's to say that the prohibition on police and fire striking will not be rescinded? Oh, if, wow. if, I was, if I was bargaining on behalf of the Chicago police, if I was the head of the FOP, then the next time the contract comes up, remove the no-strike clause. Remove it. I don't want to remove it. I want to be able to strike because what, do I, what have I seen? When the teachers strike, they get bigger bumps in salaries and benefits. So why shouldn't I fight for the same thing for my members? And so that's what I would do. Remove the no-strike provision. So now you could be, I mean, this is just a hypothetical, but you could be under a situation where you could have police forces negotiating to remove the no-strike clause and then being able to strike. Wouldn't that be interesting if the Chicago police went on strike? How about that for a moment? Yeah, right when the Safety Act. I don't know if we have enough social workers. Uh. Uh Uh-huh. Okay. Don in Maryville. Hey, Danny. Hey, Amy. Uh, I heard last night, like an hour after the polls closed, that they were already calling it for Pritzker. And I know the pe- the people they got uh, working the polls and stuff in Illinois can barely count. But yet, less than an hour after no, the no, it was polls seven closed, minutes. They ha- it was seven minutes after the polls closed. They called it for Pritzker. And WGN, oh. it said, with zero results in, the AP declared him the victor. And people well, were still when, in line voting. When you got a state so corrupt as Illinois, you know, one cycle wasn't going to flip it. Getting rid of Madigan, you know, was a was a beginning. But there's there's such a long road to go to turn Illinois around. And last night just showed that that state is uh, at least half full of government dependence. They don't know the meaning of independent anymore. Without without the government, they'll starve. Thanks for the call, Don. Uh, Illinois, the only state in the Midwest with more public sector employees than manufacturing sector employees. Oh, my God. I mean, we've known this for a long time. So this is this is the landscape on which you're operating. Uh, and so uh, we knew it was going to be an underdog race. I'm saying this from the beginning. I said this from the beginning of the cycle. No matter who the Republican nominee for governor and every other statewide race, they were going to be a decided underdog because this is the landscape just is you have to confront what is that's what it is but i thought maybe maybe if you made the election a referendum on people's personal safety they would hold people who have diminished their personal safety accountable no okay no problem john naperville hey you know what there's a silver lining guys and you're missing it now I know I could get my family and friends conceal and carry uh, classes for Christmas. And also for hotels, I never have to get another hotel starting January 1st. All I got to do is go to a Pritzker Hyatt trespass there, and I cannot be removed. You guys got to look at the silver oh. lining, guys. Thanks for the call, John. About that. Uh-huh. The other John in Bridgeport. Real quick, how about, how about, a, how about a politician that can articulate the whole abortion issue, so that to let these people know, especially the women that voted for Pritzker, that, yeah, when a baby is right right about to be born, it is killing them, okay? It is murder. Do you understand that? Instead, well, you people are going to treat this. Go ahead. Go no, ahead. No, I was going to ask Pritzker, too, since, 
you know, we have abortion on demand up until the day the baby is born. Taxpayer funded. Ta- yeah. Why don't we change the law so if you have a woman who's pregnant, she gets killed. Why is it a double homicide? It should be a single homicide. Mm-hmm. Amen. What about the what about the rights of the unborn? These people ran these commercials up and down, up and down the television for the last two weeks. What it is, they're acting like animals, and they got rewarded for it. This place sucks. This whole thing was women's rights. Women's <laughs> this place sucks. I know. I want to Illinois. This place. That should be on our plates. <laughs> this place. <laughs> I love that guy. I tell you, yeah. If I was, was a Republican good. legislator, I would introduce a specialty plate. What? You could pay an extra twenty-five bucks, and it'll go to some worthy cause to get the Illinois this place sucks license plate. It's not bad. Oh my god! I want him to call in more often. That was good. You need T-shirts and bumper stickers. This place sucks. <laughs> Put it on to like during a nasty snowstorm, you know. Right after you got carjacked and you get your car back and it's all banged up and some items are gone inside. This place sucks. Nancy in Northbrook. <laughs> hey, guys. Uh, depressing morning. I have two uh, comments. The first is I thought that the Workers' Rights Amendment, the way it was stated on the ballot, was misleading because yep. it didn't say public sector unions. No, right. No, that was the private. first thing. Right. Mm-hmm. That's right. Because it is public sector. No, I thought it's only public Right, it's only public sector, but that was not stated on the ballot. No, but it was stated by the state Senate sponsor of the amendment during floor debate, but, but then they just lied about it because that's what they do. Yeah. Yeah, thanks well, for the call, Nancy. Yeah. yeah. It's another beautiful lie. I know. It's, it's called the Workers' Rights Amendment. It doesn't even sound like it's limited to unions, yeah. right? It's yeah. workers. Well, people. Public, uh, not pub, pub, forget public or private sector unions. It's everybody. Yay, Workers we rights. all win. Yay. All right. Okay. It was worded very strange. I just voted no on everything. Glenn Oakbrook. Yeah, good morning, guys. So this uh, election yesterday nationwide was a nationwide IQ test. It's obvious the nation's IQ is not as high as I thought it would be. And, uh, you know, the result will be uh, not positive for various people. And, you know, you make choices, but you can't choose the outcome. So I just wanted to bring that up. Thanks for the call, Glenn. Uh, Tom Oswego. Hey, good morning, Danny and Amy. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not mad. I'm a little disappointed. Uh, but, Dan, you brought up a good point. As more and more people, like my brother and my neighbors, move out of the state, they're productive, they probably vote Republican. There's not enough of us left. Now, unfortunately... I'm stuck here because I run a business here, but my wife and I had a 10-year plan. Well, now it's down to a three-year plan, and oh. she, which my wife is not very vocal. But the first thing she said this morning is, we got to get out of here. Now, Dan, one thing I've noticed over the last few years is that I think the politicians have gotten better and better at convincing people two plus two equals five. Mm-hmm. And and as you as you as I talk to neighbors and. And, and well, of course, I can't, it's hard for me to even talk to neighbors if they vote Democrat because I, I personally cannot understand how they think. Dan, you talked about the, the, our homes becoming piggy banks. I did some math last night. I've lived in my home 28 years and paid over a little 347000 in taxes, and my children didn't go to public schools. Now, that was my choice, 347000 in the last 28 years since we lived there, I paid $1.4 million in federal taxes. Okay, what the hell do I have to show for it? 
this is getting ridiculous. And again, I, I'm stuck here because I run a business. I can't just close shop. I don't have enough income yet. I'm getting close. But now it's a three-year plan. And I'm just worried about the people that are going to be stuck here. It's going to be uh, like the movie Escape from New York. There's, yeah. <laughs> the We're all Snake Plissken, Plissken now, here. right? We're all Snake Plissken yeah, now? You're right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you, guys. Thanks for the call, Tom. I like that, too. That's not a bad idea. Um, Where do you live? I'm stuck in Illinois. (laughs) Most people just tell you what state they live in, if you ask. But you you have to add the I'm stuck in when you're in Illinois. Uh, I'm laughing today, so I don't cry. I I had my cathartic moment earlier. Matt in Spring Grove. I just hope me and JB can make up. (laughs) Morning. Matt. Let's give a beer right. summit. I want yeah, a beer, beer summit. summit. Wait, I want to arrange summit. it. Please. I don't think he needs more carbs. <laughs> how about a how about a, a sparkling water summit? Fine. All right, Matt. Hey, morning, everybody. Um, just wanted to say divisions. What won last night? Um, you know, President Biden called for unity, everybody. But you know, this country's just so <laughs> divided. You know, um, and divisions what won the elections last night, and unfortunately, all of America lost. Whether you're liberal, whether you're conservative, you know, the division in this country is what won the ballots last night, and America lost. So, yeah. thanks, guys. Have a good morning. And thanks, in, in case you missed Governor Pritzker's victory speech, I don't know. He was screaming, mentioned Trump three times, was out of his mind, not gracious, disgusting pig. Maybe even clearer. To anyone who thinks that they can come into this state and try to force some right-wing MAGA war on a woman's body, you will, you will never get an inch of Illinois. Um, who came into this state? You talking about billionaires? Ken Griffin uh, lived in Illinois and then he left. Thank you. Uh, Dick Uline lives in Illinois. Right. Uh, um. I lived in Illinois for 49 years until uh, I, you know, changed my residency last year. I mean, who exactly, who are these interlopers he's talking about? I mean, it was just comical. I mean, like, and then he was so was, angry, and I'm like, now he's going to have a heart attack. He's, yeah. like, spun himself up into a no, tizzy. No, no. Uh, Mike in Lakeview. I was worried about him. Michael Lakeview. Good morning, Amy and Dan. How are you? Good. Good. Hey, you know, it's funny. I When I started to wake when I woke up this morning, I was neither shocked nor surprised, a little bit sad. But I think what this election has proved more than anything else is the pollsters are full of it, but that's a whole other issue altogether. But I think if we want to move forward as a party, I think, Dan, you were perp, you were right on in talking about security, talking about the economy. It's too often that we focus on social media and what happens on Twitter, Facebook, and these other platforms. That's not real life. It's a, it's a small segment of the population and the overall voting population doesn't doesn't care about it. You know, I think we, we focus our issues too much on what that, that little echo chamber is on social media, and we allow the Democrats to get by on one tonight. And I think one thing that this shows for me as we as we move forward and look at 24 is there's going to be a changing of the guard at top. It's not going to be Trump who comes forward and runs his election. I'm hoping it's DeSantis. I think what he's done in Florida and the model he's put there can and transfer over into other parts of the country and be something that can unify the party. But if we continue with this election-denying crap and this other stuff, we're going to continue to lose. We're going to lose on the margins, and we're going to be stuck. So I'm just hoping that we can focus on the issues that have brought us to at least respectability in years past, focusing on the economy, focusing on security, 
looking at the border in a realistic manner, and then looking forward to what we can do in 2024 instead of this garbage that has brought us here today. All right, Michael, thanks for the call. Greg, Rogers Park. Hi. Um, not a pitcher won, and, you know, pretty decisively, and, and most of the Democrats won. Does this mean that Lightfoot keeps her job in next year? Because obviously people like this kind of stuff, but I guess I guess they're going to vote for Lightfoot. Can you more the same in Chicago, huh? Thanks for the call, Greg. Uh, yeah, I mean, well, I mean, if Lightfoot doesn't win, who does? Chewy Garcia? Yeah. Is that is that different? That's just more of the same with a slightly better personality. So, I mean, the question is, will the policies in Chicago change? Not uh, there's there's a lot of reason to believe they won't. I mean, Unless think about, we vote, vote for Paul Vallis. Well, right. But who are the front runners going into the mayor's race next year? I'd say they're Lightfoot and Garcia. Yeah. Tony Downers Grove. Hey, Dan, um, Amy. So a few things. This is what happens, I think, when you don't address the abortion issue uh, front and center. You can't run from it. That's number one. Number two, I, I, I kept saying it, Dan, over and over. Republicans, they don't stand front and center in front of the cameras on the platforms they need to be on, re- rebuking things and stating what their actual solutions are. And, Dan, on the workers' right amendment, I'm I'm a little confused. Does that also take away if you're in a private company and there's a union? Do you you don't you still have to pay union dues? You cannot. Pu- it's, pu- that pu- it's public public sector unions. Public sector unions. That's it's the application. Public- Thanks for the call, Tony. Only public sector unions. Frank Arlington Heights. Uh, land of Lenin instead of Land of Lincoln. That's a good specialty yeah, play too. Yeah, the Vanguard Party. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Um, some uh, things on the election, you know, number one, if you look at, you know, the Democratic Party, they used to have the solid South, the Democratic, you know, the all those Southern states voted, voted for Democrats forever, but they were the minority party back then. The Republicans were the ones winning in the 1800s, late 1800s, early 1900s. Now they've got, it seems like Illinois, California, New York, those are like the solid South. I mean, how do you, def- how do you win in those states? They're just so overwhelming. They continue to have more immigration in, into those states. It's just, you know, I don't see how they're winnable anytime in the in the near term. Um, you know, and, and uh, so they're the majority parties, what I'm saying, too, with those solid South-type states. And uh, some bright spots, I think, are DeSantis in Florida, obviously. Hopefully Nevada. We can pull off some wins there. I'm still hopeful on Arizona. Um, Ohio look, is looking more and more like a Republican state over the long run. So is Missouri, although it has been for a while. Very disappointed in uh, we, uh, Washington with Patty Murray. I thought she was vulnerable. She should be. Thanks so, for the call. Anyway, those Thanks. are my thoughts. Thanks for the call, Frank. Well, yeah, I mean, again, blue states getting bluer, red states getting redder. I think that's what's happening sort of in a... In a general sense. It's what Chicago is talking about. It's Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan and Amy on AM560, The Answer. Hey, business owners, is your business and money in good hands? Does your bank invest in your success? Hi, Mike Gallagher here, letting you know that when you need a relationship bank, Signature Bank makes commercial banking personal. 
I love these guys. Not only do they have expansive industry experience, a strong financial track record, but they're also highly capitalized for strategic growth. That's so important. That's why Signature Bank is my bank. They know what it means to grow a business by designing solutions that are right for you and only you. These are real people. They're ready to help. So reach out to my friends at Signature Bank. Make the call today, 773-467-5630, 773-467-5630, or visit them online at SignatureBank.Bank. That's SignatureBank.Bank. Your business could be Signature Bank's next success story. Go online, SignatureBank.Bank, member FDIC, equal housing lender, Signature Bank. This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Well, the red wave broke up before it reached shore last night as blue states held, red states held, Blue areas in red states held, generally speaking, and purple states are, uh, well, still in doubt in places like Nevada, Arizona, and Georgia, and to some extent Wisconsin with Ron Johnson, but I think he's going to survive. I hope so. Me too. Uh, what happened? What ha- <laughs> I asked you that this morning. Why what happened? I, Why spent- am I feeling this way? What What happened? Uh we uh, spent two hours giving our views. Let's get an outside perspective, some national view. To help us with that, Scott McKay, the publisher of The Hayride, contributing American Spectator, author of the recently released book, The Revivalist Manifesto, joins us now. Scott, thanks for being with us. Appreciate it. Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy. So, um, you know, we talked a little bit about turnout in Illinois. And uh, it was disappointing in Republican areas. Uh, the margin in Chicagoland suburbs increased for the Dem Socialists. And in exurban and rural areas, we didn't see all of those in Illinois, 320,000 Trump voters who skipped the 2018 midterms come back in 2022. And, uh, you know, that spelled the sort of standard margin of victory for Democrats in a plus 10 10 Dem state uh, for Illinois. What's your perspective on that nationally? Well, I, I don't think that that um, dynamic in Illinois was, uh, was anything special to your state. It seems like uh, there's an, an under, the undertow of underperformance uh, really across the country and you know everywhere but Florida and I guess Texas. Um, that, you know, that you see, I mean, places that are solid red, uh, the voters do what they do. Um, but what's kind of clear is the Republican party still hasn't found a formula for, uh, answering what's become of the Democrat party. Um, you know, obviously the sort of Bush Republican model, this kind of country club, moderate, uh, chamber of commerce thing really started the decline of the party and, and was totally inadequate to the coming of the hard left in control of the Democrat party. 
And so, you know, you, you thought that it was sort of the MAGA, uh, you know, Donald Trump model, you know, take no prisoners type of politics. And what we're finding out is that doesn't really ignite the voting public either. And so you're going to have to find, uh, you know, a, a, a something else. Um, now, it begins to look like Ron DeSantis and his style of politics might be that something else. Um, I mean, you know, DeSantis, what he did down in Florida, you know, taking a, a state that he barely won election in 18 and practically won a 60-40 race uh, and lifted Republicans in, you know, pretty much across the ballot. I, you, that's something you can build on. Um, but, but, but let's but hold, but I, hold on. So hold on a second. Let me give the counter narrative, though, too, to this, because I think you're right in terms of this uh, conundrum we're trying to figure out. Mike DeWine in Ohio. Mike DeWine wins by 16, 17 points, wins a blowout. And he, frankly, he pulled J.D. Vance across the finish line. Arguably, Vance, you thought, was going to win going away, and he did to some extent. But it was a six-point race. It wasn't a 10, 12, 17-point race like DeWine. And DeWine was obviously no Trump Republican. Ohio's a red state. So, you know, so is DeWine, you know, you you have potentially uh, two models to assess DeWine and DeSantis. Yeah, I, well, I think, and I don't know all of the numbers in Ohio uh, in terms of money spent, but Tim Ryan had a big bankroll, whereas I can't even remember who the Democrat that was running against DeWine. Uh, I, I don't I right. don't think any national money came in. So that may have played a factor. The fact that DeWine is a somewhat successful uh, Republican governor uh, I think probably certainly helped him, whereas J.D. Vance is, is sort of a newcomer and they don't really know what they have with him yet. Yeah. So, th- you know, that might be that, you know, the, the, in, the power of incumbency may have something to do with that. But, you know, there's obviously still some ticket splitters in Ohio that, you know, I mean, I don't know how you vote for Mike DeWine and Tim Ryan, but. Uh, obviously there was whatever it is, 5% or 6% or something to that electorate that managed to do that. Well, and the, um, the other thing, like they had the same thing in Georgia, right? Yeah. And I, well, right. And the other thing too, is, you know, thinking about this, you, you just mentioned it, uh, JD Vance, newcomer outsider. Uh, I think the the thought was outsiders, you know, people outside the political establishment would continue the revolt that Trump started in 16 and really even carried in 2020, even though he lost. Um, but, but, but depending on what happens with Carrie Lake and Blake Masters, uh, Carrie Lake, Blake Masters, Herschel Walker, uh, J.D. Vance, um, you know, other newcomers, uh, at the, at the congressional level too, at the house level, it didn't, it was not an outsider election. It was a rally around your flag election. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the underperformance of a whole bunch of these, and, and what I can't wrap my head around yet is you know the underperformance against the polling of these races didn't really make sense. And yeah, right. No red wave. You know wave. I, what 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 makes me really nervous about what happened last night is you know, and I've heard this again and again and again. There is a segment of the Republican election that has been convinced at this point that America's done that elections don't matter anymore, that they're, you know, they're just going to fix it. And, you know, they are beginning to check out of politics. 
Um, and I think you're going to find that, and I mean, this is a theory. I don't, I can't support it with facts yet, but, uh, I think you're going to find that, you know, that's the problem is, is that you have got to find a way to get these people to actually believe in American democracy again. Um, and, and what's, what really irritates me about this is that the Democrats went all out in the last week to 10 days of this. To you know, to to talk about you know our a democracy's at threat and all the rest of it, and it was such overheated rhetoric that I think it convinced a lot of Republican voters that they were going to steal this election no matter what, and so a lot of them just didn't come out. I mean, the Democrats have done everything this cycle that they could to demoralize the American public, yeah. and it turns out that they that it worked. They managed to pull this off. Um, and, you know, and, and stave off the, the bitter rebuke that they should have had based on the job they've done uh, running the country over the last two years. And, right. I mean, you know, you talk about the most cynical people in political history is today's modern Democrat Party, and yet they got rewarded for it. And that, that is really disappointing. So the red wave didn't happen last night, and then next week, November 15th, I think that's a Tuesday, President, former President Trump is going to announce that he's going to run Again, for president, is that a good thing for the Republican Party, Scott? I, I mean, I, I would have had things gone the way that they were expected to go. I would have been perfectly fine with it. Right now, I'd really like to see a 90-day cooling off period before you do anything like that. Yeah. I mean, I, you know, the, the, I mean last, the, the last several days with, you know, starting with this idiotic Ron DeSanctimonious thing and, and you know, saying, oh, I, you know, people, people, there's things, I know more about Ron DeSantis than anybody else and, and all of this kind of stuff. And then he's, he's, uh, you know, he's saying that, uh, or touting the fact that Joe O'Day, who he didn't back, got beat in Colorado. And then all of his guys got beat. Uh, I, I mean, it's Stop just it. such Stop a talking. bad look. Yeah, and I mean, you know, a lot of people in the Republican Party are looking like, okay, if we're looking for something that really works in our party, it's DeSantis, and here you are trashing him, you're going to have a bunch of people fall off the Trump train. And, and you know, as somebody who was was never a huge Trump guy but kind of went in with him because he actually fulfilled promises and did things that I wanted to see done, it puts me in limbo because um, – I, I can't really support that style of politics for all of the underperformance and, you know, kind of self-owning it does. Um, and yet I don't want to go back to the old days of, you know, George W. Bush getting blown up by the media and then just smiling and taking it. Like, I mean, you know, we need a third way here. And, you know, it seems like that's DeSantis who copies or, or combines sort of the MAGA agenda with a professionalism yeah. that I don't think enough Republican candidates exuded in the midterms. Yeah. You know, yeah. I mean, I thought like I'm a big Carrie Lake fan and maybe she pulls this out because, you know, all of the, the late night vote drops in Arizona are favoring her. So she may catch Katie Hobbs at the end of the day, so. but like she was up 11 in the polls. I know, and, that- and then she started talking about the telling the reporters, I'm going to teach you how to do your job. And it's like, Lady, you're going far out over your skis here. You hadn't won this race yet. And I think she turned a lot of people off late, and that that probably hurt her cause. Um, I mean, that should have been a blowout election. Katie Hobbs is as bad a candidate as Kathy Hochul and Fetterman 
And uh, she stayed um, in her basement. She did the Biden. She didn't debate. She she did not hardly have any public appearances and only went on select cable shows. But but you're right. That's yeah, such exactly. a, that's that's such a good insight is when you start doing the I'm going to teach you how to do your jobs. You're you're losing the narrative. You're losing focus on your constituency. This isn't about you and your war with the media. It's about what you're going to do in advance of the flag of people's economic and security interests. And I, I agree with that. You know, you got to manage those those temptations for excess. Something else, though, too, I think this is a really interesting uh, point or point of the discussion, um, the demoralization you were talking about. So it, 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 mm-hmm. the, it, this is sort of like a, a, a psych problem. So you vilify somebody. You have a president call half the country semi-fascist and the vilification. You're an insurrectionist. You're a threat to democracy and so on and so forth. And you can go one of two ways if somebody comes at you like that. You can say, oh, really? And you can come over the top right back at him and say, well, I'm getting rid of people who are going to call me that and, 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 and characterize me as such. Or, hey, I don't want any trouble, and I'm going to walk away. Yeah. I mean, I, I, you know, I think that they, they raised the specter by bringing that up and sending the FBI out against, you know, uh, uh, anti-abortion activists and so forth. I mean, I, they scared people into backing away from politics is is kind of the working theory that I'm that I'm hmm. coming to with this yeah, because yeah, yeah. I mean it's the thing when Joe Biden says stupid things but he says them on a script okay it's not Joe Biden that thought of that right i mean Joe Biden is Ron Burgundy so when he says these things and i mean as often as he talked about uh you know the the potential end of democracy and everybody on team democrat was saying that they 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 figured out a way to, you know, they poll tested it or focus grouped it. It's like, okay, how do we scare people enough that they don't want to have anything to do with politics? How do we make it toxic enough that this happened? This would happen. And, and it, you know, I look, I, I really think it worked. That was their closing argument. They had no policy to offer. They had no you know record to defend. They went full on on the, on the death of democracy angle. And, you know, and the polling didn't reflect that anybody uh, bought that. And yet you have this big underperformance on the Republican side. And, you know, the only thing you can conclude is that talk dissuaded Republicans from going to the polls. Um, You know, it shouldn't have. And yet it did. And I mean, to me, like I look at this election and I, I, I see that the, the performance of, of Team Biden of uh, you know, two years and, and what's come out of Congress over the last two years. And, I mean, th- there is no rational explanation for this not to be 30 or 40 seats flipped in the House and four or five seats flipped in the Senate. And the fact that it didn't happen tells me that there are problems within the Republican electorate that and the only thing I can think of is just people people do not want to vote anymore. Like, you know, either they're not inspired by Republican candidates and worse, they're not inspired by getting rid of bad Democrats. Um, they're just kind of resigned to the fact that, well, this is it. And I think some of it is, you know, I come on this show and I talk about weaponized governmental failure all the time. People just expect that Democrats are gonna ruin the place that they run. And because they just expect it, they've accepted it. Yeah, we know that all too well in Illinois. Scott McKay, publisher of The Hayride, contributor to American Spectator, author of the recently released book, The Revivalist Manifesto. Scott, thanks as always. See you guys. Have Thank a good you. one. Yep, you too, and he joined us on our 
turnkey.pro answer line. Connect with Dan and Amy using the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. If you're looking for the latest news, insight into what it means, and the sharpest opinion, there's only one station in Chicago where you can turn, and it's this one. We're AM560, The Answer. Top of the morning, Dan and Amy. 80% of Americans think the U.S. economy is on the wrong track, and yet... Yet we did nothing about it last night. Very little indication, although there's still important Senate races that are pending that will decide control of the U.S. Senate. The House will ultimately end up in Republican hands, but it's not going to be by a wide margin, not nearly the margin that people, including myself, thought with the prospect of a red wave in the offing. Well, that red wave did not reach shore. Steve Moore is an economist. He's also the author of author of Govzilla. Steve, it appears that um, particularly those in blue states, even purple states, they're rooting for Govzilla to destroy their state. <laughs> well, no state is more uh, emblematic of that than Illinois, which I, it looks like, uh, if I read the poll, the numbers correctly, that almost by a two-to-one margin, voters want to... Uh, mm-hmm to have forced unionism forever in Illinois. Yeah, the workers, the so-called workers' rights, basically a 60-40 yeah, proposition. No, that's right. The, we work for the yeah. state here. This We're all just uh, spare parts for the public sector unions, and um, that will only increase in pace. Yeah, that's right. Oh, it's, a, it's a total disaster for the state of Illinois. It will lead to a rapid deindustrialization of the state. Uh, it's not the state that I grew up, which was grew up grew up in what, 40 years ago when it was uh, it was an industrial powerhouse. It, it, businesses are going to just continue to flock out. How many businesses have to leave, Amy, before people wake up to these cockeyed policies? I don't know. I mean, there's more, more public sector employees than manufacturing employees, right, Dan? Is that yeah. true? Yeah, that's yeah. amazing. That, yeah. that says everything. Look, the most amazing thing about last night is, and you, you started out well by saying, well, how can 80% of the people say they think the country's going in the wrong direction and they'll vote, vote for the very people who sent the country in that, in the right, in that direction? It, it doesn't make any sense. Now, there's something called a revealed preference in economics. And what that means is you don't listen to what people say. You listen to what they do. And that's more important than what they'll tell a pollster. And the truth is that, I don't think Americans really do feel like we're in a dire economic circumstance or it wouldn't have happened yesterday like it did. Or or, uh, or, or, or do they feel that government is the backstop, so I'm going to be the party of government? They got uh, additionally uh, dependent on funny money from the government, uh, both at the federal and in many states, the state level. And so I got to cast my lot with the government. That's my sanctuary. Yeah, you know. I think there's something to that, Dan, and that's a very, very touching scenario, if you're right. But, you know, it was the New York Times who wrote, uh, you know, during the middle of COVID that that uh, what and at the beginning of the Biden administration, that what Joe Biden is promising people is cradle to grave government. And you know what? Maybe that's what people want. I'm in a bad mood this morning. OK, <laughs> you know, but, uh, you know, it's just people voted for bigger government, more government control of their lives, more taxing and spending. Uh, and we need just the opposite. Now, there is a little bit of a silver lining here, which is, you're right, Republicans will hold, the, will take control of the House by, I don't know, five or six seats. I, I don't know what the exact number is going to be, but, but uh, it does. it is almost certain that Republicans will take the House. 
And that does provide at least some check and balance uh, against what these lunatics have been doing for the last two years. So that's the silver lining. But it was, I had bet on 25, and it looks like it's going to be six or something, six or eight. You know, so it's just so, you know, and, and how, do, how do people in Pennsylvania vote for, for uh, Fetterman? I mean, you mean, wait, this I, guy? I wait, wait, this guy? Hi. Good night, everybody. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, Who's going to run his his Senate office? I mean, who's who's going to be in charge of him because he needs help? Yeah, well, who knows what happens there? Anyway, I mean, I am in a bad mood because I think it was really important for voters to repudiate. You know, I wasn't for the Republicans; I was against the Democrats, right? And yeah. So, 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 actually, voters to make a statement, and they didn't. They they what? really. This was the most pro. Uh, incumbent election in my lifetime and your time. Every virtually every incumbent Republican and Democrat won. Yeah, so so this was supposed to be an angel election. Yeah, well, right, exactly. It was a rally around the flag election, and something you just said. Uh, I'm not for the Republicans as much as I am against the Democrats holding the people in power to account. Yeah. Well, was was that right. was that was that part of the mistake that Republicans were not? Um, offering a value proposition that was more about them than it was about the left. Mm, I don't know. I mean, it's always easy to money. Yeah, I don't know that. either. I mean, I, I, but I will say this, that if there were, you know, look, the Senate candidates were lousy, a lousy field of candidates. And that certainly helped, um, you know, the Democrats win a lot of these uh, tight races. So, you know, we got to we got to get this was a, a B and C list of candidates, not the A list. And you're going to beat an incumbent. You got to have really, you know, you got to have really good players. And we didn't have them on the field this time. Well, President Trump, I mean, he was at mar largo yesterday and he was tweeting on or not tweeting. I'm sorry, going to Truth Social and bashing <laughs> some of the people that he wants back, like the Senate candidate in New Hampshire. Um, the red wave obviously didn't happen how is that a reflection on him, and do you think he should announce that he's going to run next Tuesday? Well, you know, again, even though it was a really lousy election, um, I actually think – I don't know the exact latest because I went to bed at 3 in the morning. So uh, it looks like it's going to come down to a runoff in Georgia, right? Right, yeah. So if that happens, I'm going to say it first on the Dan Haney show. I will put very high odds that, that Herschel Walker wins that uh, runoff. And that will mean that, um, you know, lo and behold, the Republicans would then have a one-seat majority in the Senate and maybe a six-seat majority in the House. Those are incredibly narrow. But that still does put at least some check and balance on the, on the craziness of the last years. That's about the most positive thing I can say. Well, what about Trump running? Do you want him to run? I know you oh, still on, talk on, all no, the on time. Trump, uh, <laughs> that's a great question, Amy. I mean, it was a bad night for Donald Trump. Right. I think we can all and I, I'm a you know, I, I'm, I'm an, I like Donald Trump. And uh, but it was a really bad night for him. And the mega candidates, as, as Biden calls them, uh, almost all lost. Unless I again, I don't have the latest uh, about what happened in the wee hours of the morning. But, uh, you know, Dr. Oz lost and the candidate uh, in Arizona lost and blah, blah, blah. Well, that's that's pending. It's pending. Blake, Blake it's pending. Masters is pending. But yeah. Oh, it is. They haven't yeah. called that one yet. No. Oh, okay. Laxalt, Laxalt's oh. up. He looks like he's going to win. Ron Johnson looks like he's going to hold. Ted Budd won in yeah, North so Carolina. You, yeah. So if you have those two holds, and, and if you hold in Wisconsin and you win in Nevada, then it's a 
you know, it's basically uh, comes down to uh, the runoff in Georgia, assuming that Arizona is lost. So, you know, but but the, <laughs> but the larger the larger uh, the, the larger point is, yeah, the larger point is the the center of energy and enthusiasm in the party right now is not in Mar-a-Lago. It's in Tallahassee with Governor DeSantis. That is true. That is true. I, well put. You know, and, and it was a monster night for uh, for the uh, Republicans in in Florida. I mean. I think that that uh, DeSantis won by 20 points. He did. I yeah. Remember, we used to think of uh, Florida as the battleground state, and uh, and so that was an amazing victory. Uh, yeah, I mean, what you're saying makes a lot of sense. I mean, it was a great, great night for Ron DeSantis, a bad, bad night for Trump. I do think Trump went, runs. I would like him to wait until after the Georgia runoff. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> that announcement. But I don't yep. think that's going to happen. And uh, and so you know, I'm just if I sound frustrated, I am because I think the Americans made uh, the voters made another mistake in basically saying to these politicians of both parties, "We like what you're doing. Keep doing it." Well, here's the thing too. So McCarthy becomes House Speaker. But it's a narrow majority. You're going to have now an emboldened Democrat Socialist Party to pursue the same policies in the next two years that they pursued the previous two, although you'll have a House Republican backstop. But how strong will that backstop be when you have probably a lot of nervous Republicans and, you know, the next uh, spending bills that come down the pike? It's going to be tough to keep that caucus together, no? Yeah, it will. <laughs> it will. It's hurting cats, as they say, to be the uh, Speaker of the House, and especially if you only have a six or seven seat majority. So, you know, and then think about this. If it's a if it's a one seat majority in the Senate, who holds all the power? Mitt, Mitt Romney. Romney. Right. <laughs> Which doesn't, I don't they, that doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. So it's going to be a but, you know, look. The last two times the Republicans had massive red wave elections were 1994 and 2010, right? And then what happened two years later? They lost the presidency. They lost the presidency. So it all maybe, you know, I'm, I'm looking for some kind of silver lining here. Maybe the fact that they didn't clean up this year means that uh, two years from now we'll be uh, in a more joyous mood. You know, we're talking a little bit, too, about uh, change in leadership at the party level, uh, at the state and the federal level. We had uh, the House Republican leader in Illinois just announced that he will not be running for reelection as the minority leader, which is long overdue. That's so there'll be a change in leadership at, the, at least at the state house level in Illinois. But, of course, the conversation will be at least in part, depending almost regardless of what happens with the Senate. W- should Mitch McConnell continue to be the minority or majority leader? Mm-hmm. That's a good question. I mean, I don't know the answer. <laughs> I don't know if he will. I think he probably will be the majority leader, but it certainly is not a uh, slam dunk. But here's the problem. Tell me where the talent is in the in the Republican uh, Senate. Well, um, Mike Lee. You've got Rand Mike, Paul and Mike, Mike Ron Lee. Pa- Rand Paul, but, Ron Johnson. Uh, you could argue yeah, sure. You could argue Rick Scott. Yeah. He, you know, man. I mean, there's, there's a few, but. Where are the, you know, the Phil Grams and the people who really smart? Who's going to be the, the economic kind of thought point leader person. in the yeah. Senate? Yeah. You know? yeah. So it's, it's not a it's, – it's amazing. We don't have a lot of talent there. Uh, you know, the, the question, of course, is will Kevin McCarthy be the speaker? Right. Is that performance good enough to fend off a challenge from a Jim Jordan or somebody like that, right? 
It probably is, but I think there may be a challenge to him. I mean, it was a bad night for him. I mean, he raised a ton of money, uh, but where did he go? <laughs> um, now, speaking... you know, that's the other thing. The consultants, Republican consultants deserve a lot of uh, uh, blame here as well for kind of misleading us on what needed to be done to win these races, because a lot of money was spent. Well, no question. Oh, yeah. It always is. Um, so um, an economics question, though. Um, despite the the increase in interest rates, we're not seeing a corresponding increase in demand for treasuries. So uh, since treasury yields move inverse to prices, what does that say about what the market thinks about inflation and where it's going? Uh, that's a good question because you're seeing all sorts of kind of mixed signals on inflation. My own reading of things right now is that inflation is going to come down to the, you know, 5% range, uh, which is going to be an improvement over 8%, but it's still a lot of inflation. Uh, I worry next year of, uh, of a kind of crash in the economy. I mean, where's the growth going to come from Mm -hmm. with all this massive debt? With, it's not just, by the way, if you looked at, you know, one of the reasons, you know, uh, people feel like, oh, well, things are doing just fine and dandy. If you look at credit card debt, people are borrowing like they're the federal government. They have no choice. <laughs> I, well, yeah. at the grocery store, people are pulling out credit cards for the first time in their lives. Yeah. Because they don't I mean, have the money in their bank the account. Mail. And then you, they probably like gas think or food. there's going to be a... They think there's going to be a credit card uh, forgiveness. loan forgiveness program. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> you you just said, lower yeah. that out loud. <laughs> credit card amnesty. Yeah. Don't give them the idea, Stephen. What? Uh, what? What do you? So wait. What you say? You think it's coming down to five percent on what horizon? Over the next, you know, three, four, six months, and then I think it'll stick there. I mean, and then I think you're going to have stagnation. You're going to have like really mm-hmm. low growth, maybe a recession. Most economists are thinking recession in 2023. And I don't know if we're going to go to a recession, but, you know, we just the policies are so you pay a high price when you spend and borrow five trillion dollars. Well, the American come due. Well, the American electorate is cheerleading a recession. Three quarters of Americans think we're already in a recession and they they don't seem to be bothered by it. So I (laughs) I don't know what to tell you. Uh, well, Steve, uh, I, think, I think the only solution is that Amy's going to have to run for governor the next yeah, time. Right. Yeah, she's going. She's got four year. I went to college with. I went to college with Carrie Lake. <laughs> we graduated Wait, did together. She, did she? Did she win or lose? They're still counting Pending. the ballots. Sixty-two percent of the votes are in. It's, it's still trying to get Blake the, Masters. I don't think he's going to pull it off because uh, we don't know. But but the, 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 they're still trying to get the machines in Maricopa County to work. Steve, so we'll let you know when they're operational. All right, guys, I got to go jump on Fox, but I wish I had better news. But um, you right. know, I think Illinois gets the uh, dunce cap. Okay. What thanks. else is new? Steve Moore, economist, Godzilla <laughs> author. Thanks, Steve. See you guys. And he joined us on our Turnkey Pro Answer Line. Hear about the big stories of the day, then talk about them right here on Chicago's Morning Answer on AM five sixty, The Answer. <laughs> This is Chicago's Morning Answer with Dan Proft and Amy Jacobson on AM560, The Answer. Morning, Dan and Amy. Looking at uh, Illinois and the outcomes yesterday. This is interesting. Just breaking down some of the numbers, there's a lot more to do, but in the early hours post-mortem 
Right now, it looks like Pritzker got 400,000 fewer votes than he did in 2018. 400,000 fewer votes. Than 2018? 200,000 fewer in the city, 80,000 fewer in suburban Cook, 30,000 fewer in Lake, 10,000 fewer in Will, 15,000 fewer in the Metro East, various declines the the rest of the state. 400,000 fewer votes. Hmm. In DuPage... Pritzker got 20,000 more, but Bailey got 40,000 fewer than Rahner in 18. In McHenry, Kane, Kendall combined, Pritzker got the same total, but Bailey got 25,000 fewer GOP votes in 20, than in 2018. Turnout down 29% in Chicago, 21% in Suburban Cook, 27% in Lake as compared to 18. There was the opening. But that opening required center-right voters to fill it, and that didn't happen. Downstate turnout was down, not near, so not nearly high enough to overcome Pritzker's totals in, northeastern, in, in the northeastern part of the state. And Bailey underperformed in the suburbs, like you saw Republicans underperform in the suburbs around the country, particularly in states that are rough sledding, like Illinois, New York, now, this is why you see Zeldin down by 300,000 votes right now as well, even though he's not conceding. So um, what happened? Yeah, that's what everyone wants to know what happened. 400,000 fewer votes than in 2018. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro line, 64636DA, turnkey.pro text line. Well, what filled the void? The problem is the suburbs continue to trend away from the GOP. You know, mm-hmm. 60% of the population is north of I-80. And this has been happening for some time. You know, you have to have some perspective here. You go into this race with Democrats controlling the DuPage County Board, Democrats controlling the Will County Board. So it's not like there was this uh, wave of leftism that overtook the suburbs. It has been moving through the suburbs ever since they were lost to Barack Obama more than a decade ago. And so the trend away from the GOP continues. You know, Dan Cronin, four years ago, barely won his reelection to DuPage County board chairman. And they lost other county. The Republicans lost other countywide offices. And now yesterday, Greg Hart lost the chairmanship. So, you know, you have to be willing to examine trend lines a little bit, too, and not just look at elections in isolation. The hope was if turnout was going to be down because center-left voters were not enthusiastic about the performance of Pritzker, nor should they be, and the overlay of what's happening at the national level, then you could fill that void with center-right voters with, for example, as I keep talking about the 320,000 Trump voters that skipped the 2018 midterms, but it didn't happen. And this is why Bailey performed better than Rahner, but not nearly as well as he needed to in the suburbs and didn't get the surge downstate that was required to thread the needle and overcome a state that is basically plus 10 Dem. And that's where the statewide races more or less ended up, plus 10 Dem. I have to ask you, too, if Richard Irvin won the, you know, during the primaries, do you think it would have been a closer race or could have Irvin beat Pritzker? There's, uh, again, there's um, no what, what, why? 
because yeah. bec- but what's the what's the suggestion? That's just sort of affinity handicapping. I supported Richard Irvin or I supported Jesse Sullivan, so he would have performed better. Based on what? He would have turned out those Trump voters who didn't show up. He would have pr- produced a surge in downstate Illinois that's required. No, what evidence of there is that? No, Irvin wouldn't have. None. Nobody would. I'm just saying, J.B. Pritzker spent money to decide who was going to run against him. He spent millions, and then he spent he, another he, 152 he million dollars. He didn't. Stop saying that. He didn't. I, I'm I'm sick of listening to that ridiculous talking point. He didn't decide who was going to be the nominee for the Republican Party. The Republican Party did. J.B. Pritzker's money had no material impact other than maybe margin when it came to Bailey's victory in the primary. That is also just a ridiculous talking point that people repeat based on affinity, not evidence. Not true. Not true. And I can provide reams of data since I actually was in the race to show you where the race was, when who was spending what. And the outcome was a fait accompli before Pritzker's millions and the DGA's millions came in late to extend the margin to just amplify the message that was already winning the primary. Well, that's actually was a that's, horrible that's, candidate. And that's actually how it went down. Right. And what, what you're going to rally the base as a black lives pro black lives matter pro safety act. Oh, by the way, the what we the referendum on the safety act and and Bailey was winning crime voters by a, a measure of like eight to one. There just aren't enough of them. But 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 Irvin supported the, the safety act when it was signed into law. That's we true. talked about that in the primary. So now we're going to get the Safety Act. Well, we'll see. The courts are going to have a say in that. But you have to look at the topography. You can't just say this candidate bad. And if we had a better case, the waiting for the Godot analysis, if we had just had Jesus Christ run, we could have won. No, well, that doesn't worry. That's not what your choice was. Your choice was among the candidates who held themselves out for office, not just for governor, but up and down the ticket and up and down the ticket. They took a beating. Uh, up here in the suburbs, but also uh, downstate. Esther Joy King was a top target for House Republicans in a downstate district. And right now it looks like she's going to lose, too. We're going to lose a Republican congressional seat in the split. It'll go from 13 to 5 to uh, 13 to 4. Because we lost a congressional seat, of course. Reagan, Reagan Deering down in central Illinois to Metro East, she lost as well. 60% of the electorate voted for the Public Sector Union Empowerment Act. Idiots. So there's a there's a you you, want to focus on the candidates and what you need to focus on is the electorate and also the machinery of campaigning. Talked about this in the run up as the early voting numbers and mail in ballot numbers were coming in. And this is not just an Illinois problem. This is a national problem for Republicans. The Democrats dominating early voting and mail in ballot voting. And you may not like those rules of the game, but they're the rules of the game. It's just more complicated. So, yeah, I mean, we can pick apart the candidates and the messaging, and, and I'm fine to do that. Do it to your heart's content. But if you ignore the composition of the electorate and the trend lines and the rules of the game and who is playing those rules of the game more effectively to their benefit, then you're running in place. 312-642-5600, turnkey.pro answer line, 64636-DA, turnkey.pro text line. Alan Rockford, you're on Chicago's Morning Answer. Dan, good morning. Um, 
So you asked earlier in the show, so who wins? And of course, my opinion would be is that the globalists are continuing to win uh, by taking over local and state politics, which is what they've been doing for quite a while now. And I wanted to call attention to an article I read in the uh, Epic Times written by Frank Millay, North America Goes South, The Plan to Dismantle the USA, and it speaks to the North American Union, which is a prime focus of what we're seeing across this country now. This started with George Bush, and it was interesting that Scott McKay was on with you this morning, and he mentioned George Bush. And George Bush's statement way back when he was president was, our economic focus should be on the creation of a common economic space that expands economic opportunities for all people in the region, a space which trade, capital, and people flow freely. And, of course, the current president of Mexico, Lopez Obrador, uh, he is now talking to Blinken behind the scenes, and he says we're we're in favor of the unity of the entire North American continent, like the way the first European community emerged and converted into the European Union. So what we're facing here is Mexico, a third world country, suddenly becoming on equal footing with the U.S., and they've never invented anything that's changed the world other than unless you take into consideration the illegal drug trade, which they seem to be very, very good at. And so, again, I think who wins is the, the globalists are winning. Thanks for the call. Well, border security, that was uh, supposedly an important issue. And then you see Maya Flores, who is this uh, you know, rising star in the Republican Party. Uh, she's winning uh, in a special, that seat, that congressional seat on the border, and then she loses last night. This was a rally around the flag, and there were not enough center-right voters rallying around the GOP flag. Ryan New Lennox. Hey, Dan and Amy. Thanks for taking my call. Two quick things. Uh, first, and this is a little bit of good news for us in Illinois, we can finally end the moratorium on criticizing the horrible, feckless Illinois Republican Party. You know, we were rallying around that flag up until yesterday, but now I'm back criticizing the horrible leadership of this uh, state's party for the last, you know, however many years. Uh, you know, the fact that so many people rallied around Richard Irvin tells you everything you need to know about this party. Uh, and and secondly, I'm concerned about 2024. I don't, I don't you know, I, I care, but I'm, my attention is going instantly to 2024 because I think the Republican strategy for 2024, at least congressionally, started last night where they come so far over the top and they're able to withstand a little bit of a Democrat advance and Democrat surge in the lead up to 2024. However, we're going to have a dogfight in 2024 and combine that with the fact that Republicans aren't going to be able to run on any kind of legislative record because of the environment and because of Biden sitting in the Oval Office. So I just wanted to get your thoughts on that. Well, yeah, although the question is what kind of record are Democrats going to be able to run on? Where are we going to be economically, and does it matter? I don't know. Will enough people have endured enough pain by 2024? Because clearly, as we were talking about with Steve Moore, 75% of people thinking the country is in recession, 80% of people correspondingly thinking the economy is on the wrong track wasn't enough to generate the sort of response that was anticipated on behalf of Republicans, was it? So it's sort of, I, I, you know, to some extent, you know, this is this is supposition, but to some extent, you, you have to think logically that uh, at the national level as well as at the state level, the question is, uh, how much worse does it have to get? Worse is the answer that you got from the electorate yesterday. Worse. Now there are some green shoots, like for example, and, and on the crime issue too. 
for example, the fact that Rick Caruso, the uh, billionaire businessman, is uh, got a narrow lead. It's too close to call, but a narrow lead for mayor of Los Angeles against a six-term incumbent Dem congresswoman who was on Biden's shortlist for VP. That's interesting. Uh, dead heat right now, too close to call for governor in Oregon. Yes. Uh, because In part because Phil Knight threw in with uh, the Republican candidate, in part because they had a independent candidate who was a Democrat running third party, and she's pulled about 8% of the vote away from the Democrats. So, you know, that that's sort of an anomaly, too. But otherwise... What you saw is just what I said. It was um, uh, people staying in their camps regardless of what they think the performance of their camp was. And for Republicans, not enough people showing up to camp. Manny Southside. Yeah, it's Monday morning, the day after the major game. We lost. What do we do now? Well... Yeah, thanks for the call, Manny. I mean, we got to do a lot of things. We got to address some of these issues we both just raised, um, and that's not going to happen in 24 hours. Um, we need to, to consider new leadership that charts a new course for the Republican Party in Illinois and likely elsewhere. That's starting this morning with Jim Durkin announcing that he's not going to run for minority leader. He was going to probably be taken out by his caucus anyway so he's taking the stairs before he's defenestrated uh dan mcconkey the senate republican leader there should be a change in leadership in the senate as far as i'm concerned too we'll see john and genoa yeah dan amy how you doing thank you for taking my call listen i think that this midterm shows me but you know the writing's on the wall i think that trump uh, as much as I like his policies and I would always stand behind him, I think he needs to step back a little bit, look at the big picture, and if he wants his agenda and everything else that he stands for to be true and get this country back to where it used to be, I think he has to stand behind Ron DeSantis. Stand back because he, he's not going to win any – the key to any election, I think, is to win a little bit of votes from the other side. There's no way Trump's ever going to – get anybody from the other side his way or our way. I think Ron DeSantis is a superstar. I think the way he uh, his, his agenda and policies are very similar to what we believe in. I think that's the key. I think Trump needs to step back because his rhetoric at times, even I just like, you know, cringe every time he opens his mouth. And I, I, I just... Don't I, I think we're going in the wrong direction with Trump. I think he needs to stand back and, yes, stand behind a superstar like Ron DeSantis. His ego would Thanks, never Sean. allow him to do that, I don't think. And I, I don't think he was helpful saying calling him Ron sanctimonious and all that right before the election. And the Democrats want him to run. My God, that'd be a gift to them. That'd be a gift to CNN. Maybe their ratings would go up again. Mike Lundell Heights. Hi, uh, Dan and Amy. I think, Dan, you're right. I think it's time to get to a red state and hunker down. I mean, every class, every uh, school class, how many how many conservatives are coming out of it? You know, all the immigrants are used to socialism. You know, it's time to get somewhere and hunker down. Thanks for the call, Mike. Well, that's part of why you see red states getting redder and blue states getting bluer is because of 
migration accordingly. Verlon, Southside. I've heard all the commentary today, and I think everybody's missing the point. I'm going to tell you something, Dan. I don't see how you could do it any better. I don't care what message you articulate, how pointed you are. What Republicans are going to have to understand, this is a, a generation of emotional people. And John Anthony said it best. Until Republicans can come up with a way to get through and get a message through to these emotional people, we'll never win again. Because think about what the Democrats ran on. They're going to take their rights away, abortion. They're going to take Social Security away. Oh, my God, how am I going to live? Medicare away. And, and Joe Biden's been running on, I'm, I'm going to make your Medicare cheaper, your medicine cheaper. That's all they care about is my benefits and my so-called right to kill my baby. Until Republicans can, can break through that, we're done. Well, we're maybe in Illinois. I mean, you know, again, Illinois is not representative of the country. It's representative of California, New York, and Connecticut. Those four states are representative of one another. But uh, we still have a majority of governors. We are going to have a majority in the House. Uh, we still have a 50-50 chance to have a majority in the Senate. So let's not get too over the top here. What we're talking about in Illinois is not the situation nationally. Uh, Tony, Southside. Hey, good morning, Dan. Good morning, Amy Lamb. So first of all, I'm looking at a positive here. At least Pelosi will be gone. So I'm basically going to take uh, I'm going to take lemons and make lemonade out of it, serve with vodka, and give it to her on the way out the door. With that said, though, I want to know what you guys think about what can we do about the safety? I mean, not we, but what can be done about it? That's all well, I'm finding out. Well, the Safety Act, uh, which is what we tried to make the election about because that's Primus personal safety is primary. Um, so you have a consolidated case that is pending in a Kankakee Circuit Court. Uh, I expect the Kankakee County Circuit Court judge that's got the case to hold the legislation as unconstitutional, but that likely would be appealed. And if it goes up to the Supreme Court, who do you have on the state Supreme Court now? Now it looks like you're going to have five Democrats to two Republicans as opposed to four Democrats to three Republicans at present because the two state Supreme Court races look like they were both won by the Democrats. And those two Democrats who won were bankrolled by Governor Pritzker. So how are they going to vote on that issue? And even if they upheld the lower court ruling of unconstitutionality, then what is the disposition of the super majorities and by the way remember coming into this election cycle also super majorities of democrats in the general assembly that should also tell you something about the landscape but anyway what are they going to do the black caucus leaders starting with uh, house speaker chris welch during this campaign did not show any indication that they were willing to revisit the pritzker purge law the safety act they in fact doubled down on it and just castigated anybody who raised questions or opposed it as fear mongers and liars. So to the extent even they felt compelled to offer some changes if they needed to reconstitute it to pass constitutional muster, what is that going to be? Window dressing? Is that going to fundamentally change the basic thrust of the law, which is no cash bail, uh, putting prosecutors and judges on their heels the way they put cops on their heels? They were just emboldened. They just got a ratification of everything they'd done last night. So we'll see. We'll see. But if the Safety Act goes into effect 
in the form it is now or substantively the same form with some, uh, as I said, window dressing, some some uh, modest language changes that don't really affect the impact. And we'll see. Like I said, it's not it's not bad enough yet. Well, if that goes into effect and you see crime spike in the suburbs, which is what will happen, maybe that it will be bad enough for more people. I don't know. Barbara Lakeview. Hi, please don't get amnesia, people. There's one thing and only one thing wrong with Donald Trump. He's the top Republican guy. Whoever replaces him will immediately become the hated one. The bimbos will come out of the closet to accuse him of rape. It'll just take if DeSantos steps up to do the job, it won't make any difference. The top Republican guy, the one with the most support, is the hated one. He's the one they go after. He's the one who gets accused. He's the one who will be criminalized. The top Republican will always be criminalized. Why are people trying to get rid of Donald Trump? Thanks, Barbara. Christine Shanahan McGovern, Mount Greenwood. Good morning. How are you guys? Good. Good. Quickly. Good. Yeah. So I wanted to say I, I ran a very, very strong race. Um, I'm getting a lot of the uh, information from the precincts. Um, for my first time running. You ran for state senate against Bill Cunningham. I, I, th- I think I saw I it lost by seven points. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, frustrated, frustrated, frustrated. I, I, I blame the GOP leadership in Springfield. Um, like you said, we are in trouble. Our schools are going to be in trouble. Our kids are going to be in trouble. Um, I'm afraid for our state. Thanks for the call, Christine. The more you listen, the more you listen, the more you'll know. This is Chicago's morning answer. Morning answer on AM five sixty. The answer. America first with Sebastian Gorka today at three, right before Sean Thompson at four on AM five sixty. The answer. Top of the <clears throat> top of the morning, Dan and Amy. Continuing our post mortem on last night's elections, particularly here in Illinois. In Illinois 6th Congressional. Illinois 6th Congressional. So that's Peacock versus Caston. In 2018, 315,000. 315,000 votes. In 2022, 266,000. That's a 15% drop off. And so I go back again, the same conversation we were just having about Pritzker getting 400,000 fewer votes statewide. It might be that there are just not not enough center-right voters left. A lot of people moved. (laughs) And to the extent that there are, they're not participating. And so who fills the void? The awfuls. The affluent, white, Female leftists, A-W-F-L, the awfuls, affluent white female leftists. And they continue the trend lines in the suburbs that we've seen since Barack Obama's ascension, which is a takeover of the suburbs. I mean, again, even in Kendall County, we held serve in Kendall County, but what does that mean? They're coming for them next. It, It means two points. How does Lauren Underwood? Two points. Two points spread plus GOP in Kendall County. Minus 15 plus in DuPage. Minus 15 in Lake. In Kane County, Keith Wheeler 
Nobody was even paying attention to his race. He's in leadership. Nobody paid attention to his race. A safe seat in Kendall County. Used to be. Lost. Gone. Chris Boss, another safe Republican seat in Lake County. Gone. It's more complicated than just the candidates. For uh, more on this in the context of Illinois 6, please be joined by Keith Peacow, mayor of Orland Park. He was the Republican candidate, of course, against Kasten in Illinois 6. Keith, thanks for joining us. Appreciate it. Do we have Keith? There we go. Hey, Keith. Hi, Dan Amy. Thanks for having me. So um, how do you uh, assess what transpired last night as it pertains to your race and Kasten's narrow victory over you? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, you look at the three different areas. We won in the city of Chicago portion of our district. Looks like we're dead tied in Cook County. And we got trounced in DuPage. <laughs> um, and uh, basically by the margin, that early vote and uh, mail-in vote were when it first came out. And when we saw that and we saw what was happening in Lake County, we were pretty sure it wasn't going to be a good night. And you looked at uh, you look at turnout. You know, we were predicting it. Uh, median turnout somewhere around 330,000, and uh, we had 270. Yeah, right. Down 15%. And uh, that down 15% necessarily, obviously, included a lot of center-right voters. I mean, I don't know how else you cut it. it yeah, and it shows that that's exactly what it shows, that Republicans did not turn out. They either aren't here anymore or they didn't show up. And, uh, you know, if you looked at the early voting data, the Republicans did show up in early voting uh, more than Democrats did. And uh, yet we were uh, yeah, I'm looking at the data here where it showed Democrat to Republican on the congressional ballot was uh, about 10,000 votes. We were only 10,000 down relative to 26,000 in 2018. And uh, yet we were 18,000 down just in DuPage alone. So now what was your phone call like with Sean Caston when you made that call? It was short. I congratulated him. That was about it. Yeah. That's plenty. Yeah, that's, um, <laughs> so, I mean, so, so as you reflect back on the last year of, you know, you had a contested primary and then obviously into the general over the last uh, four plus months. How do you feel about it? How do you feel about the race? How do you feel about the, the region, the state? Well, we, I think we ran a really good race. And I, I, you know, I know, Dan, you pay attention to this closely. I think we did everything you could do running a race and we still got pounded and, don't feel like there was anything we left on the table, um, whether it was knocking on doors or, or mail or TV, et cetera. Um, it's just, it's clear that the state of Illinois is, is lost. I mean, you see what happened statewide, um, that the state is lost. And what is more concerning to me, the state doesn't really surprise me. Um, it, it disappoints me because this is the one, the chance we had to actually turn the tide, but what you're seeing happening nationally as well in basically the worst malaise we've seen since Jimmy Carter. Um, it, that really concerns me because America has been following since President Obama got in office, has been following the Illinois model since that time. But didn't you expect more? I mean, back. the economy's in the tank. This was the first major election since, you know, post-COVID. And then you've got the Safety Act. And those three combined, you think, would have moved the needle in some form or fashion, and it just didn't. And, and everything showed that the independents... And Republican, the only people that did not care about economy and crime as their top two issues were, were Democrats. It's every poll that we saw. And that means that the people just did not show up. And if you can't show up for this to vote, then you're going to get the government you deserve, not the government you want. 
And you're going to get it good and hard. Well, apparently, I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm right. I don't know what people want anymore, particularly people that are not animated enough to participate. It's a, that's trying to climb into the uh, the psyche of some people. Uh, it's a difficult climb. So, um, so I mean, obviously, you're still the mayor of Orland Park, and um, you're, you know, you're 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 fresh into your second term. Uh, what's next? Well, I mean, I, I'm still the mayor of Orland Park, which is a great community that's done extremely well in, in spite of the state. I expect that uh, I expect that there will be uh, that we'll get no help from uh, the state or the federal government, and we really haven't been getting that help anyways. Um, but I think the state's going to continue to take a downward spiral, so it's going to be hard to keep areas like Orland Park doing well. And, and it's been hard with the state of Illinois, but that's what we'll do. We'll keep doing that. Uh, Safety Act will keep me up at night because I I think they're going to make changes now after what just happened. But I think the changes are going to be worse. Just when you think it can't get worse. Um, so, you know, and thinking about Orland Park, too, because as we've talked to you over the months about um, – uh, about your leadership of Orland Park, particularly during COVID, uh, when you you know did routine briefings at uh, village board meetings about the science and data to explain the decisions you and your board were making about not participating in locking down businesses, for example, when the governor's edicts came down. Do you think that hurt you? And if it did, do you care? If it did, I don't care because I, I know we're right. The data shows in, in hindsight, every decision we made was correct. So um, we just have an electorate. Uh, I mean, really, if you look at it, we were making decisions almost in parallel, maybe even slightly ahead of what you saw in Florida. But Floridians got it. They understand. Yeah. What well, happened here in Illinois, they don't. And you, they, nobody, they, there they was, continue. sorry, there wasn't big, some big surge because you opened up a small business. Wasn't a surge in cases? No, we have lower case rates than either the state or the county had. But at the end of the day, the people, uh, the people of Illinois, chose to seat and lies because uh, over honesty, because that was the entire campaign against every candidate I saw. And it was on one issue. And it's a sad state if the, the issue of abortion is the only issue that is a core value of, uh, of America. That's kind of really, I mean, that, that's, that scares me a lot. And you're seeing it here, but, but also nationwide. But they, they chose lockdowns over, you know, lockdowns and tyranny over freedom. Uh, they chose uh, putting criminals uh, ahead of police and and uh, citizens. That's what they chose. That was on the ballot. And the people of Illinois, overwhelmingly, it wasn't even close. That's what they chose. Yeah. So we will have to live with those ramifications. I'm sure more people will vote with their feet. Um, and uh, that's going to be a challenge for those of us that remain. But we'll continue here in Orland Park. We're going to continue to do what we've done. Makes the make Warren Park a great place to be and a great place to live, but you know people have to realize that you know that the like the sharing of, of dollars to municipalities that has been cut significantly since 2011. Actually, it's 55 million dollars out of Warren Park's pockets over 11 years. They're going to take it all because they can't pay their bills any other way. And. Um... On the campaign trails, it's uh, DuPage County, the DuPage County portion where the race was lost. Uh, since, you know, a congressional race, you're going door to door. You're doing a lot of community events in DuPage County. So what was it like? I mean, do, do, do you have people come up to you and uh, challenge you on the life issue or the lockdowns? Do, is, is there engagement from people who disagree with you or 
Uh, was there any, did you have a lot of experience of people trying to understand the basis of the positions you take and the decisions you made versus casting, or was it just everybody in their silo and everybody rallying around their flag? What was your sense on the trail? Uh, so no one, no one that uh, ever asked or, or tried to engage, um, you know, knocking on doors, I've maybe had four or five people that were abrupt at the door and spoke for more than, you know, 10 seconds and maybe four or five other people to just close the door. Um, but other than that, and, and their issue uh, overwhelming every time was uh, uh, was the abortion issue. And um, they really weren't open-minded enough to hear what I had to say because you know what my position is. Uh, you've heard it. Um, I'm, you know, I'm adopted, and I'm an adopted parent, and uh, I'm pro-life. I might apologize for that, especially being adopted and an adopted parent. But uh, I also believe in exceptions from others, life, rape, and incest. And um, they ran on something completely different. And they, they told, uh, I mean, they, they lied. They, they lied about everybody. And that's what people bought. And they didn't care to seek to understand. And uh, that seemed to be their own, the only issue they cared about. But again, this was a half a dozen doors. No one ever came and, and asked anything. And the doors we knocked on, um, you know, Republican, independent, overwhelmingly supportive, uh, more than I've ever seen in a race. All I can say is either we, we were knocking on the wrong doors or, <laughs> they're, or just an, they're just not enough right doors. Yeah, that's the problem. Well, well, we were knocking on doors, you know, voters that were in our camp no matter what. And we weren't walking to what we thought we were, which were people that were more undecided or um, they just didn't show up. The yeah. polls, which the numbers, the numbers show they didn't show up. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's that's, you know, this is the untold story that we're trying to tell because we know the Chicago press corps. I mean, the damn com shop won't be telling it either. And and this is a challenge to people that curse what's happening in Illinois and why don't we do better? Why? Why is this happening? And so on and so forth. And then they don't participate. They wonder why it's happening. It's highly frustrating. I don't need to tell you, Keith Pekow. He is the mayor of Orland Park, and he's still going to be the mayor of Orland Park. Great race. I agree with you. You did everything you could. It was yep. a good campaign. Uh, you're a good candidate. You're a smart, reasonable, thoughtful guy. And there's just no place for you here in Illinois, except Orland Park, apparently. Sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's what it seems to be. And I, I will point out that we won in the city of Chicago. Yeah. Yep. No, no. We, lost, we lost in DuPage. That's right. where we lost. I mean, and we got pounded there. So, and the people in DuPage, when I walked there in the primary, they said that, well, we can't win this because of Cook County. I said, you don't understand. The blue part of my district is DuPage. All about abortion. Something else the Republican Party at the macro level in Illinois doesn't understand. Although they will, they should understand, have a more profound understanding after last night, including with uh, Greg Hart losing the DuPage County chairmanship. Keith Peacow, thanks as always. Appreciate it. Thanks a lot, Dan and Amy. I appreciate it. Thank you. And he joined us on our turnkey.pro answer line. Listen to podcast of Dan and Amy from the AM560 mobile app. Download it today at 560theanswer.com slash mobile. Thanks for listening to Chicago's Morning Answer podcast sponsored by Signature Bank. Signature Bank takes pride in helping customers grow their business and provide unmatched banking expertise, custom financial solutions, and the industry's best technology. So whether you're a business looking for a deposit relationship or needs a ready source of financing, Signature Bank is the right bank for you. Call today at 773-467-5600 to hear how Signature Bank can help your business grow and thrive. Member FDIC, Equal Housing Lender.